LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning! Square's full of lots of little girls. All there for the One Direction film tonight. The only question I have is... What parents allow little girls, some of them look like 12 and 13 years old, to camp out in a London square at night? Admittedly, the security around them, but even so, they're all running around the square and, you know, getting very excited, which is, you know, marginally exciting, I suppose, if you like One Direction. Uh, I've seen clips of the film. Very odd. It's just sort of, it's what all they've done is they've capitalised on, you know, the, the success of... One Direction. I was watching them doing their interviews yesterday. They've started behaving like petulant old stars, you know, where they sort of sit there and they sort of, yeah, well, because, you know, and they sort of, they st- they're not looking at the person who's, who's doing the interview for them. They're just sort of, you know, laid back. Yeah, because, you know, we like sort of around the world. And, all this, and you think, you know, they, they're obviously behaving, you know, like, like the Spice Girls did. But at least the Spice Girls looked interested in their interviews. This lot just looked bored out of their minds. You know, come on, lads, pull your, pull your finger together. Why has it gone all funny? Why has all this sound gone odd in the studio? It's all really peculiar, the sound in the studio. Really, really bad. Really bad. For some inexplicable reason. Anyway. So they're, uh, so they're all camped out there in Leicester Square. There must be, I don't know, 100 of them. Something like that. And they'll all wait. They're going to smell to high heaven by the time we get to the film tonight. What with the heat and everything else. Presumably they've shoved them in the square because it's safe for them to be in there. They've got little tents and everything. What are they... I, I never quite understand what fans think they're going to achieve. You know, the, the boys are just going to go past in a, in, a, in a blur. There'll be a few other non-entities who will turn up. There'll be, there'll be somebody, there'll be some reality show tart little pitch up. And um, and they'll all be sort of there and we'll go, yeah, who is that? I don't know. Won't be Chris Fountain, that's a fact. Poor old Chris Fountain. I predicted yesterday, I said there is only one way out of this situation that he was in. And, and, and then another question was posed to me. Somebody phoned me yesterday and said, oh, by the way, there's somebody Chris Fountain... Who told the papers that it was him? Somebody must have told them that that's him, because he doesn't take the mask off. He does it. I mean, does somebody recognise the voice? Or has somebody gone, I'll sell this story to the paper. This is Chris Founder. Because ultimately, it's cost him his job. His mummy had to run him in to the studio yesterday, because his mummy runs his fan club. Not for much longer. Who knows if we want to, you know, any, any parent would be going, you're not going to be a member of that fan club, thank you very much indeed. I don't understand how, as I said to, to Duncan, somebody can be that stupid. You've got the best job in the world. You're on television. You're in a soap that's watched by millions. And you're earning decent money. You can do appearances. It gives you, you know, the freedom to go and do something else. So he's done, I think, a Dancing on Ice programme. He's done, you know, he, he, he can do these other things. People, you know, take his picture coming in and out of nightclubs. And then you, you do something that is so dumb. You feel like banging his head against a brick wall and going, were you drunk when you did this? Were you on drugs or something? Are you really stupid? Are you more stupid than we ever imagine? Because why would you want to... Why would you want to jeopardise a really good job? I don't, I don't understand why somebody would do that. I mean, you know, it's bad enough in the acting business now to get a gig, especially at an early age. Well, it's very difficult at anybody's age, but to actually get a gig that people know who you are, they photograph you, you know, you get to go out with girls and things like old boys, depending on who you are, and, and, and then you throw it away. I mean, he's probably sitting at home now, I should imagine, going, who dobbed me in? Who told them about this? Because that's what you'd want to know. That's what I would want to know. Who was the person who did it? Why you'd ever want to go on the internet in the first place and be the phantom? It just doesn't make any sense. 
No hope, I'm afraid, for him at all. No hope. I, I just, you know, and nobody, nobody's going to touch him with a barge pole. That's what's even worse. It's not like it's something that, you know, and, and this isn't the first person in Coronation Street. The, Coronation Street has a history of fighting behind the scenes, of people thinking they're bigger. I can remember talking to an actor some time ago, I won't tell you who it is, uh, who joined Coronation Street. He said, it's like a little cartel in there. He said the actors who've been in there the longest, you know, they sort of, you know, hello, hello, thinking when you won't be around in five years' time. You know, because they've got longevity. It could be a job for life. It's all changed since Ina Sharples and Albert Tatlock, let me tell you. I can remember sitting... They all show that same clip on the television, don't they? When they've... Uh, oh, actually, talking of that, somebody made me laugh the other day. They said, you didn't see poor old Brian Dowling, ex-TV presenter, doing the television the other day. He was doing the television review on This Morning, quite clearly. You know, he, he, he can't get a gig for love nor money. They're not going to ask him to do the papers because he's not bright enough. So they, they get him to do television. It turns out he hasn't seen half the blooming programmes. It's, it's just... How can you have a TV critic on there? Talk about a fraud. But anyway, they all show this little clip of Ina Sharples sitting there with the woman in the corner shop going, uh, oh, you'll be that woman who lives around the corner, won't you? Do you know about stones? And it was, it was... That's what it was. It was a kitchen sink drama. And it was a good kitchen sink drama. Now, the drama in Coronation Street is what the actors and actresses are getting up to away from the set. You'd think they would have bent backwards, you know, to secure that job. Why you'd want to throw it away? I just don't, I just don't get it at all. Blimey, I there's probably actors listening at the moment going, I could do that job standing on my head. And you'd be grateful for it. You know, the moment you start playing up is the moment they go, I think we've got to get rid of you. And in this case, they had no, they had no opportunity, really, to even think about it. It was just too disgusting for words. You couldn't have somebody on screen. Parents, parents' children, you know, kids are watching that kind of thing. And it would then send out the wrong message. They, they were in, they were in that no-win situation, as far as he was concerned. He must have known. I said on yesterday's programme... Apparently, they'd said, you know, you need to go on this morning or daybreak. Well, not on daybreak, there's no blooming audience. Uh, and this morning is so pants now, anyway. Um, and so you need to go on there and apologise. I thought, apologise to who? Who's he supposed to apologise to? He's that thick he made it in the first place. He's, he's paid the ultimate price. The ultimate price is you're kicked off it. I shouldn't imagine he'll ever find a job again. I'd be very, very surprised. Who's going to trust him? You can't, you know, it's, he's going to have to eat a lot of humble pie. I remember there was one actor years and years ago who left, um, God, what was it? Was it Emmerdale? I think it was Emmerdale because they wanted to turn his, his character gay. And he decided that he didn't want to be gay in, in the soap because he obviously thought there was some sort of stigma attached to it. And so he, he, he quit the soap. That's the last we ever heard of him. He disappeared. And then hilariously... Well, I wasn't sure if it was hilariously or not. There's a, I, I happened to watch Brookside. Now, I've, I've only ever seen Brookside a handful of times. And I, I know that there is a gay character in it who is gay in real life because he's been on the television dancing. And so I know... But, but he's, he's playing a gay character in it. Well, anyway, I think if... if I mean, I might have got this completely wrong. He hasn't seen his father for donkey's years since he was a baby. And his father's gay. But it gets yesterday to the point where I think his father has picked him up. But he doesn't know he's his son until he goes back to his house and looks at the pictures and goes... And then realises. Up until then, I think they were about to get it together, which would have been quite freaky. It's, and they're almost pushing the boundaries, aren't they, at, uh, at Brookside? I'm not sure how much further it can go, you know, with, with sort of incest and we've had bodies under the patio. It seemed quite tame with bodies under the patio and Brookside close. Now it's... Oh, it's Hollyoaks. It wasn't, it wasn't Brookside, it was Hollyoaks. 
And, uh, but I'm, I was watching it thinking, God, it's a bit bizarre. In fact, it's very bizarre, actually. The whole programme's very bizarre, I'm afraid. Uh, the Royal Photos released today. Um, they're, they're OK. It's, um, it's the first official portrait, but they didn't get a professional photographer and they decided to get sort of Kate's father to take it. It's, uh, it's OK. And uh, it was taken at the Middleton family home. It's not, it's not their, their dog either. It's the, it's the Middleton's dog. So Kate's father has taken the picture. It's OK. just looks like any other picture that you take. I mean, I, I don't get overexcited and goo-goo eyes or that kind of thing over a, over a, a picture like this. They've got um, their first family photos and they're a bit blurry. They're OK. There's a very strange picture of her in the National Portrait Gallery. Was it in the other place? Anyway, it's, it's awful. And the person who makes all the papers today is uh, nasty little uh, Greg Wallace. Greg Wallace, you remember, launched a furious attack during a champagne reception after spotting uh, a magazine publisher talking to his uh, girlfriend. He's got a history of violence, Mr Wallace. Not a pleasant person. Not a very nice person at all. I mean, if, if, if that's his idea of how you... You know, somebody sort of comes on to his girlfriend and goes, yeah, I'm a pretty little thing, aren't you? I'm like, you, you naughty little thing you are. You know, or whatever. You know, whether or not somebody touched somebody inappropriately, I don't know. Because yesterday we said on the programme, you couldn't quite work out whether or not she had been touched or he just said something about her or said something to him. But he's, he's a bit of a thug, Greg Wallace. I don't know why they keep him on the television. If you get rid of the bloke off Coronation Street, Greg Wallace got to be the second one kicked out, as far as I'm concerned. Very bad form, I'm afraid. Very bad form. Chris Fountain sitting there, sort of probably biting his fingernails, wondering where his next move is. Uh, the answer is, there isn't a next move. There isn't a next move. I don't know what you can do. He's, uh, he's, he's apologised. He said, I completely understand. ITV had no choice. Well, of course they didn't, because you're stupid. You know, and it, either your, your parents haven't told you you're stupid. Uh, so I'm telling you, you're very stupid, and you've, you've paid the price. Also, uh, oh, blimey, who's this old hag? Oh, it's Melanie Sykes. Melanie Sykes is doing a... F put your clothes on, love. You're too old and too haggard. OK? It's lots of makeup, lots of airbrushing. And uh, they say she keeps trim by working out. Oh, you just look a bit sad, love. A bit sad. It's, it's to launch a, a range of underwear. Oh, God help us. Uh, Nicholas Lindhurst has slammed TV talent shows, claiming they're like watching psychiatric patients in a ruining sitcoms. Uh, they were showing... On the television the other day, what were they showing? It was Louis Walsh and Simon Cowell and Sharon Osbourne, and they were doing the auditions for the X Factor with all the stupid people, you know, the ones who quite clearly have come out of some homes or something like that, and they've got no idea how to sing. And then one of the girls, because what they're looking for, they're looking to fill a program. So if you actually filled it with with the people who could sing, the program would be over in about five seconds. So what they do is they they fill it up for the first six or seven weeks with a lot of really dumb people. A lot of the, the stupids, the ones who, who walk along the side of the street and go, has anybody seen my albatross? You know, they're, they're the sort of people. And they, they turn up on these programmes and they go, yeah, because one of them yesterday, she said, uh, I could sing like Lady Gaga, I could sing like this, I could do that and all the rest of it. And I thought, well, we know that you're going to be a bit stupid. We know that you're going to be a bit dumb because you look a bit thick. And lo and behold, she couldn't sing for Toffee. And so, but they keep it going. So it is, as he says, a bit like watching psychiatric patients, people who, who need help. But they are the sort of people who then fly off the handle, like one of them. Simon Cowell said, you can't sing. There's no point in messing about with you. You can't sing. And, of course, well, of course you know this, Simon, because that's your programme. That's how you fill it up. As I say, if you filled it up with the people who could sing, it'd be a very, very short show. So they fill it up with the stupids. So we put on that fat family. Remember the Chaundleys or whatever they were called? The two fat sisters who can't sing for Toffee. They're just pathetically stupid. 
their life low, you know, they're the low lifes. It's like there's a, there's a, you know, a couple in the paper today. They're addicted now to appearing on television shows talking about themselves. And it's a couple who've been on coach trip. They've been on buying houses. They're deeply, deeply unattractive. And I'm not the first person to, to, you know, I'm not attractive. But there again, I'm not stupid enough to stick myself on television. Thank you very much indeed. It's not, you know, it's not the kind of thing. I'm more than happy to be deeply unattractive on the radio. Nobody can do self-deprecation better than me. It's as simple as that. But you see these people there and you think, you're addicted to it, aren't you? And so they go up on the X Factor. Can you sing? Yes, I go to sing. Touch my bum, don't be shy. You think, go away, back to Transylvania, you two uglies. 16 past four. Morning, hello. How are you this morning? To One Direction fan. Apparently they have a name, the One Direction fan. They call them Directioners. And uh, judging by the, uh, the people wandering about in Leicester Square this morning, in the middle, this is Leicester Square that we spent 16 million quid on which was very sweet, and we had it out for ages and ages, and they still not repaired the fountain in the middle. I'm not sure whether or not they're just sort of hanging on to it for ages and ages, but, I mean, frankly, it's like a year down the line, and we're still waiting for the blooming thing. So, other stories for the papers today. He's quite right, Nicholas uh, Lindhurst. Uh, Only fools would commission Only Fools these days. Actually, it's funny now, he's about 60. There was a picture of him in the paper the other day with his son. And his son goes to acting school. I think his son's about 12. It's just that we always see Nicholas Lindhurst as as sort of Rodney, don't we? We, don't, we And all the other goodnight sweetheart and all the... He seemed to make loads of programmes. Loads and loads of programmes. I like him. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, um, yes, uh, Brookie hasn't been on for years, Steve. Hollyoaks is full of gays and lesbians. Danny, Steve's father, was picked up by a woman in a car tonight and slipped his wedding ring back on. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I'd, 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 because I don't know what's actually going on in in Hollyoaks. I mean, I, I, I see some of the characters who've obviously been there for years and years, and and I don't quite know, you know, where the storylines are going. But I'm convinced it was his father, and he only realised he was his father when he saw the pictures in the uh, in the house. Somebody called Angel, who's quite clearly a sort of a junkie says, uh, your presenter is very rude and judgmental. Yeah, well, well, you're obviously... Listen, I can't deal with junkies. I can't deal with people who smoke skunk and stuff like that. I mean, you're off your face to start with, aren't you? So uh, I'm, I'm quite interested in... I might actually watch Hollyoaks again. Because I'm, I'm nowhere, nowhere near finding out what the story is at all. I'm just, I'm just a little bit, little bit confused. And then there was the, the hoax the other day. Do you remember? This is over in... Uh, I don't know if it was the Isle of Wight or anything, somewhere like that. Yes, it was. It was Ride. And some parents apparently said their children had gone missing. So they launch an air and police search and people are, people are looking round for the kids and trying to find them. In the end, they didn't find anything at all. So they assumed it was a hoax because when they checked the address the parents had given, that didn't exist. And the parents had disappeared as well. And you think, are there really that sort of stupid people out there? Of course there are. Look at Chris Fountain. Ultimately thick and stupid. But I tell you what would really make me angry is if a paper bought his story and, and did it this week, you know, on Chris Fountain, you know, why, you know, that, because I, that would really make my blood boil. That would really, really make my blood boil. It is the price of stupidity, says the soap expert. Well, I mean, it's not even stupid. It's beyond stupid. You know, he's, uh, I mean, it's so beyond stupid. Some of the stuff he was talking about is dreadful. He's, he said, I've had two wonderful years. Well, I mean, how, to, how, to, how to kick yourself when you're down. Hope your parents have sat down with you and gone, you know, you really are a thick boy, aren't you? But he, he won't be the first. 
He won't be the last. There'll be loads of them. You'll you'll see them all over the place. That's what we thrive on. That's what we, we thrive on. Here's nasty little Greg Wallace, a little bit of a sort of uh, lash out person. But there again, he's a bit uh, he's a bit naff, isn't he? And uh, the the man who he was a, who's a, a large bloke. His name's Paul Bates. He says, I was only chatting to Greg's girlfriend, suddenly sent me flying. Well, he's a nasty piece of work, isn't he, Greg? Well, he's done this before, where he's lashed out at somebody. As I say, I don't want to see him on the television anymore. Uh, more on the... Um, uh, more on the drug mules and people poo-pooing their story. Very difficult to believe, isn't it, I suppose, half the time when you look at these people. And then this, this fracking. And did you not feel, as indeed all of these, that the tree huggers were out in force? They all wandered down there. They quite clearly got nothing else to do. Most of them looked like they were on benefits. There was a few, like, OK, yeah, people down there. There was one girl interviewed Latour. She was like, OK, you know, I came down. I can't believe the police were so heavy-handed. It was like, you know... And I thought, what are you doing there, darling? What are you doing? What are you doing? So we, we've arrested the Green MP... This is Ms Lucas, 52, who took her son down there. But, of course, it's just an opportunity for her to sort of hug a tree and talk to the press. Up until then, I had no idea who she was. The police go down there, and they're expected to keep law and order. But, in fact, a lot of people went down there deliberately to start trouble with the police. You could see what they are straight away. You know, they've got nothing to do with fracking. They're just, they're just people, you know, who want to go down there and have a bit of trouble. And uh, and that's about as good as it gets, I'm afraid. They're going to be talking about that, I think, with Nick Ferrari this morning on this fracking as, as more people go down there. And uh, people, you know, just jump on the bandwagon. But I watched it the other day, pushing and screaming. All they're doing, they're looking to punch a police officer. That's what they think is clever, because they're so stupid. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Suzanne says, when I used to cycle in London, she comes from Barnsley, poor soul. They don't get much worse, do they? She said, if I was stopped by lights and wanted to turn left, I would dismount, walk my bike over the pavement and reroute round the corner. Why? Well, you just wait there by the lights and then cycle round the corner. She says, but looking back, compared to today, I think I was very well behaved, don't you? No, I think you should have been arrested immediately. I think we should take all bicycles off pavements and people should be shot. I think we should have a, a mass burning of cycles in Trafalgar Square. I'd support that one. Bonfire night, let's have cycle burning. I see them all the time, especially on the Boris bikes. You take your life in your hands on the Boris part. Well, we do on the pavement. You know, ring, 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 go away. I, I don't move. I, I stay my course. I'm not moving anywhere. Um, here's uh, Talisa. Um, still not working, I'm afraid. Still, still nothing going on there. Nothing happening in the music business. In fact, it's all gone a bit pear-shaped for Talisa. And here's little Sarah Harding, the least talented person in the entire world, uh, with her own photographer out in Los Angeles, um, proving that she's trim. I don't know what you're doing it for, love. You're way too old. She's about, what is she? They say 31. I thought she was about 35. She's out there with her little boyfriend, who's Mark Foster, in California, as I say, with a photographer, because nobody knows who she is. She's nobody out there. In fact, uh, to be honest with you, I find it deeply worrying. I find deeply worrying the fact, have you read the stories over the last two days about nail bars? Have you read that story? Oh, this one's escalated like there's no tomorrow. It's been taken up by one of the papers today. I can't remember the sun or the mirror. That nail bars are, in a lot of cases, used to traffic women into the country from Vietnam who work in nail bars and then work as prostitutes at the night time. They say it's a huge, huge problem. A lot of the girls working here have been trafficked over. I have to be honest, we seem to have a proliferation of nail bars, but perhaps it's because the British have a preoccupation with together. I've never had a, a manicure. I've always quite fancied one, but they don't seem to have men in there. It's just sort of Essex and 
chavvy people like that who have their nails done. And then they turn up on the television. They had this, this, there's another one of these jewellery channels. It's not, it's not gems. It's another one of those type things where they're selling absolute garbage. It really is. It's, it's tat, tat, tat all the way through, I'm afraid. And there was this girl there the other day. And I don't know whether she's on medication because she can't present for toffee. And she's selling this stuff. She's going, this is so rare. You have no idea how rare this is. 19.99. And I thought, that's not rare at all, dear. That's garbage. That's absolute garbage. <laughs> Poor soul. Brenda Blethyn's in the papers today. We like Brenda Blethyn. She says, I don't live the life of a star. I prefer a cheese sa- sandwich to posh hotel grub. I can do both, actually. I can absolutely do both. I could do cheese and pickle sandwiches. Cheese and pickle, actually. Oh, delicious. Toasted cheese and pickle. Yesterday I had chicken. I went out there and I thought, I quite fancy a chicken curry pie. The one that I bought, Duncan Asia. Well, I've not been able to find one ever since. I mean, either they're being bone idle in the butcher's shop or the bloke's lying. He says, oh, we had them in and they sold out straight away. I thought, well, I've been in there before. They've sat there for days, these things. Don't don't hoodwink me, matey. I'm a local. And um, so I went to there. No, still haven't got them. And also, you can tell they haven't got them or ever had them because there's no space on the shelves to put these big pies on. So I had to console myself with a piece of chicken which had some paprika or something like that rubbed into it. I like a bit of paprika rubbed in. And, uh, and so I was, I was sort of looking... And so I had four pieces of chicken. I felt a bit better after that. It took away the, uh, the craving. But in the end, I had to buy myself another pie. Because I've got this thing about pies at the moment. And then today, I've got Ruth Rendell coming in for an interview. And I was trying to find out, well, A, what she's in talking about, because I've got no idea. I think it's a new book. And, uh, and how old she is. Well, I think she's about 85 or 80. Oh, she's going to make it down the corridor. It's quite a walk from reception. It's not exactly sort of, you know, sort of local. <laughs> 84850, uk, And um, another one here. Malcolm says the X Factor is the, is the only show in which the, uh, the dreadful acts make it a hit. Why would we watch otherwise? Of course, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's 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 looking at uh, at all these at all these stupid people, and they're up there because they're filling a program. The more stupid, the thicker and the uglier they are, the more we watch them because we laugh at them. We don't we we, we don't sit there going, "Oh, you're really intelligent," unless you're particularly stupid. Alan says, you're my favourite presenter. Oh, and the reason, Alan, is because I'm talking to stupid people. That's why. Uh, somebody called Hussein says, I like this presenter. That's why this is the most listened-to programme at this time in the morning. No point sitting there pussyfooting around going, oh, isn't the world wonderful and everything else? No, it isn't. We're either plagued with students with their GCSE results, dancing half-naked around Leicester Square, celebrating after they've had a couple of drinks, uh, or failure that we've got the One Direction fans who look about 12 years old. Love you, love you. Who's the most popular one of One Direction? Not Harry Styles. Not Harry. Nope. Harry's been dropped out. Nope. It's not Kyle. Nope. Who? Niall. We'll speak properly then. Enunciate. It's not Niall. Niall? Yeah. Hi, yeah. Niall. Yes, the little Irish one apparently is popular. He's the most... Which, which must really upset Louis who obviously thinks he's really so gorgeous that he just doesn't need to do anything at all. You're not. OK. But uh, and the worst thing is that they've all started being linked to uh, to girlfriends. So you can imagine the abuse they're going to be getting, which I love. Uh, yesterday I saw police in Croydon stop a cyclist on the pavement in the town centre. Yep, £50 fine now. 
£50 fine, which I think is absolutely fantastic. more we find them, the better. It's only a case of you're breaking the law. Yesterday, somebody told me a story about two shoplifters who we think had come in from Hounslow on the bus. And they go to Marks and Spencer's and they steal steak. And they leg it out the store as fast as their little legs will take them. They get pursued by the store detective who tackles them on the corner by Paul Cousins' fruit and veg shop and brings him down with a crash. And the bag is strewn on the floor. So somebody in Paul Cooper's fruit and veg shop picks up the bag. Store detective says, watch that. Chases after him. He doesn't give up. He's chasing after this uh, this shoplifter. Anyway, the shoplifter, what they normally do, they sort of run, 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 until then, then they think that they're safe and they start walking. Unfortunately for them, there was a policewoman who'd been alerted. And she saw him and she, she got him. And she came back and she went, blimey, that was a bit of a rush there. But they, 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 they got him. He's been arrested and charged with theft. 150 quid's worth of steak from Marks and Spencer's. But, of course, if they all do it, and what they think they can walk in and steal it, they're particularly dumb people. You know, nothing clever about stealing anything nowadays. Unless you're particularly stupid or you're a drug addict. And these ones could have been either, I suppose. But they got nicked. And that, uh, you know, the meat was sort of handed back to Marks and Spencer's. You see it all the time, don't you? Because didn't we have an MP or something a short while ago saying we shouldn't bother, you know, jailing shoplifters and put them in court? Stupid man. Never heard so many stupid politicians. How do they get elected, these people? I'll tell you what, let's wait until somebody comes around and breaks. Oh, somebody did have their house broken into. Wasn't it the swimmer? Was it Rebecca? What's it? But then she got the medals back. But they kept the car. To be honest with you, I'd, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have given the medals back. They're not much use to you. You can't fence them or anything like that. Let's take a short break, shall we? 4.30. LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I saw this girl on the television this morning. She's about 12. And she was attacked by a brown bear. Now, the one thing you're not supposed to do when you see a bear is run. Because bears can outrun you. Also, the other thing you don't do is climb a tree. So anyway, she's out there. So, so this story goes. To be honest with you, how she got away with it, I'll never know. Must have been divine intervention from the Almighty. So she's in there. She's going through a little woodland path. A bit like sort of Little Red Riding Hood. La, la, la. And all of a sudden, this bear appears. So she runs. Anyway, the bear runs as well and brings her down. OK? So the bear brings her down. And I'm thinking, I mean, you know, normally they would just... Just sort of go for it. Anyway... And the bear is scratching at her. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen bear's claws. She didn't seem to be that harmed by it, and she seemed quite calm talking about it, so I wasn't too sure whether or not it was a believable story. But anyway, neither here nor there. The story goes on that uh, she, she then got up and ran away, and the bear got her again. But it didn't, it didn't bite her for some reason. So she thought, I'll stroke it, and that will make it feel... So she strokes this... I mean, really... How would you be thinking that? You've got a bear, which is like three times your size, and you're stroking it. In the end, she thinks, I'll play dead. So she plays dead, and the bear wanders off, turns around, looks at her, and she... Go away, go away, go away, don't look at me. And then the rangers say afterwards, well, that's the one thing you should never, ever do. Don't play dead in front of a bear, because they eat carrion. They eat things that don't move. But this bear wandered off. So, I mean, perhaps she was either lucky, or she's a great storyteller, but either way... It was, it was really divine intervention. 
So, just in case you're in Cricklewood at the moment, and there is a brown bear on the loose, don't play dead in front of it. Difficult to tell in Cricklewood, I admit. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people walking around. Some of them could be dead. I don't know. I do feel sorry for Maureen Greaves. You remember Maureen? We featured her on the programme because Christmas Eve last year, her husband, Alan, was beaten to death. He was the the church organist. And... uh, She's a devout Christian. Not that it makes any difference to this story at all. And she spoke of forgiving her husband's killers after they were jailed last month. Anyway, she walks out of the house the other day and she was punched in the face by a girl attacker who wanted to grab her bag. This was in, uh, in Chapel Town. She said, a woman came up to me and started touching my bag. Then she said, I want some money. I started to walk away and I felt her pull hard on the bag. I said, listen, I can talk to you about where you can get some food. But she came right up to my face and started swearing. And then she punched her in the face. I mean, it's it's just absolutely appalling. Anyway, um, she says, uh, I put my hand on her shoulder and she walloped me. Maureen's grown-up son, Peter, stepped in and stood between the woman and Mrs Greaves. They then walked quickly away from the mugger. She was left with uh, marks and bruising. She said she was very violent. If I'd been 80 years old, I wouldn't have been able to defend myself. I sincerely hope they find this woman. But anyway, a woman has been arrested on suspicion of attack. You know, these people are filth. These people are absolute filth. She'd be a drug addict, of course. You know what druggies are like. You hear them so many times now. Yeah, I just do a little bit of puff, a little bit of puff. They're mainly cracked in the head. They're mainly not all there, I'm afraid. They're generally some sort of throwback from somewhere. Got Neanderthal times, I suppose. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I did see the two girls on the X Factor hit each other, but they are those sort of people. They're, they're, they're lower than chavs. I don't know what comes lower than chavs in this day and age. Attention-seeking non-entities, like that stupid girl who hit the papers because she wanted a breast enlargement on the NHS, because she wanted to be glamour model. The fact she had a face like a squashed pineapple was neither in nor there. And then the moment she'd had them enlarged to a C or whatever, come on, but it was an X or something, I don't know. Uh, she then wanted them reduced again, because she said it made her life a misery. And I thought, no, we're not messing around. There's people who need urgent operations. We're not, uh, we're not going to, uh, not going to do it. Uh, Alan Davis has confirmed what you probably all knew for ages and ages, that quiz show gags are set up in advance. You know, like QI, Buzzcocks, um, Have I Got News For You. All of it, so it makes them look very good. He said it's not all improvised on the television. No, it's not. But then that's what makes a good programme. And so that's why I like uh, I like Alan Davis a lot. I know he upset some people a short while ago. They've done a Christmas special of Jonathan Creek, which I'm looking forward to seeing. He says, I haven't been on Mock the Week, but I know that they prepare material and jokes. Well, I went on a TV quiz programme some time ago, some time ago, and it was where you had to guess what people did for a living, and they gave us clues. So it doesn't make you look too stupid. So you sit there. But I would think, have I got news for you? It's all edited to make people look good, to make people look witty and entertaining. Because some people sit on there, don't they? And some people are very good. You think, God, I wish I was as quick as that. And then I think, actually, I am as quick as that. I do, I do love it. I do love it. It's uh, It's one of those... One of those things that I'm, I'm always entertained by quizzes on the television. I just like that kind of thing. I like that kind of humour. It's very, uh, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Lynn says, each morning I have a little bet with myself. How early into the programme you mention food? So I'm now looking for a jar of pickle and it's a chicken salad with roast potatoes later. <sighs> Lovely. Cheese and pickle sandwiches. I'll tell you what's really nice. This, now, you can try this one yourself at home. You need some, uh, some cheese, some bread... And either some pickle, Branston pickle, the small sandwich pickle, 
The, the other stuff, it's, it's nice, but it's not the same as a sandwich pickle. You can spread the sandwich pickle quicker. Or Thousand Island dressing. It's making my mouth water. OK, you, okay this, you have to have it under the grill for this one. It only works under the grill. You can't put it in a toaster, it'll fall off. And then you, you, you make the sandwich. So you, 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 you toast the bread, you butter it, then you put on the layer of either the sandwich pickle or the Thousand Island dressing, and then you put some cheese on the top, and then you put it under the grill. OK, leave it there for about a minute and a half, something like that. When it comes out, it's all golden brown and bubbling. And it's absolutely I guarantee you'll have to eat four pieces. If you're lying in bed at the moment, you think, I wish you'd shut up about the food thing. It's all right for Duncan, because he's on his way home, and he can always find some little, some little chicken shop or something like that, or some little burger place where he can nip into and just top himself up. Which I quite like. But cheese on toast is delicious. It's really bad. It's really bad for you, I'm afraid. But, um... But it's, it's, it's very satisfying. <laughs> very, very satisfying. Cheese on toast, first thing in the morning, but Thousand Island dressing. I'll tell you what I like, which is very odd. Thousand Island dressing on mashed potato. That's a bit peculiar, isn't it? Does that mean I'm a bit of an odd person? I do hope so. hate to be in the normal world. It's quite nice to actually... But mashed potato with Thousand Island dressing and cheddar cheese over the top of it. So, so that the hot and the heat of the potato melts the cheese. Oh, making myself ill now. Uh, other stories in the uh, the papers today. This is oh they were showing. I was I was so intrigued this morning. I was watching a television program, and do you remember when we had the volcanoes in Iceland, and they cancelled all the flights in the airspace because of the of the the dust in the air, and they had a, a situation, you know. And then we we had uh, the man who runs Ryanair. We had. Um, the, uh, the Virgin guy and everybody else all talking about, listen, we've got to get the planes back in the air. But then they had um, a pilot who was flying his plane. He was up at like 30,000 feet or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, his co-pilot said, look out the window. So he looked out the window and he said there was a bright light inside one of the engines. It was a four-engine plane. He said, and there's a bright light burning. He said, like, he said the next thing, he said, the engine stops. He said, then we look over the other side of the plane. He said, and there's another bright light burning inside, like a halogen light. And the engine stops. And in the end, all four engines on the plane stopped. And the plane starts gliding. Because contrary to public opinion, if you're in a plane and all the engines stop, you don't just drop out of the sky. It can glide for about 50 to 100 miles. But unfortunately, there was nowhere... For him to land, they were over the ocean. He's got no engines, and he comes onto the, onto the uh, the intercom. Oh, morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Captain Flood here, and um, slight problem. Uh, we have no engines at the moment. We're trying to start them, and what they'd done is they'd been through an area where there was all this dust from a volcano, which had gone into the engines, ignited itself, and so it had switched the engines off. He said, so we're sitting there desperately, desperately, desperately trying to get out of this situation, but we're getting lower and lower. He said, we're at 13,000 feet. And he said, then we managed to start one of the engines. He said, it bursts into life. He said, we've been pushing the button for ages and it starts because it obviously come through. He said, then the other one started. He said, and then the next thing, the third one started. He said, there was an almighty roar. He said, and this plane shot into the sky like there's no tomorrow. He said, so it, but it, it was a long few minutes he said, waiting for the engines to start again. He said, having been through all this volcanic ash which had clogged up the engines. And the plane was then grounded, and they had a picture of it. And, uh, my God, it looked like I'd been through the wars. Actually, talking of going through the wars, they... Uh, I watched... 
so fascinated by this programme yesterday. It's the, these people who go out into the ocean. They followed a, a ship which sunk years and years ago, and they want to go down there, and they want to find its cargo. What was the cargo? Silver bullion bars. So they go out into the ocean. They're in the middle of nowhere, and they go down to this ship which sank, I don't know, a few hundred years ago. And they find the ship. They've got it there, but in, in order to get at the cargo, and they're not totally convinced that they can find it, because you get people who go onto wrecks now, and they strip them of everything. They go out there, they don't mind sending divers down, but this was too far down. So they go down with a giant grappling arm, which literally cuts the ship in half, so they can go into the hold, and because everything's fallen in over all these years, they just take a big, a big sort of clump of stuff, put it into a like a giant bag and bring it up to the surface and they're going through it, there's metal twisted this and then they find a silver bullion bar. But they know it's silver bullion because each silver bullion bar has got a number on it and they've got the checklist from wherever it comes from, Lloyd's obviously do a checklist, so every bullion bar is numbered and they've got them. They get 15 bars, 15 silver bars up there. The whole haul is worth 60 million. So it's worth risking life and limb. However, over on the other side of the world, in another wreck site, they're looking for a bullion ship. This one sank donkey's years ago. It was a big wooden vessel. It went down, it's collapsed, and its cargo is alleged to be worth £600 million. I bought China from the wreck the of the Tiangxing, uh, I think, something like that. Anyway, it was, a, it was a China ship that came over and it was full of porcelain. And they found it, and they brought it up from the bottom of the ocean, and it came up for auction. And you can still buy the Texing uh, porcelain. I've got, I think, six bowls, and they vary in price from seventy-five quid up to a few hundred pounds. And uh, and it's it's just nice to think that you've got China that has been sitting on the bottom of the ocean. I'm fascinated by stuff like that. But they've just brought something else up, which was in, I think, was it in the. Um, might have been in, which paper was it in? Might have been in Metro or something like that. And they've got it up. They say this is this is even more exciting than bringing something up uh, like the Mary Rose. And it's absolutely amazing. It's a giant head. It's a, but it's a rudder from a ship. It's been four hundred years on the ocean floor, found off Pool in Dorset, and they brought it up. And you look at it and you think, wow. Always as exciting as the Mary Rose. We all sat there watching, didn't we? Prince Charles, <laughs> ship coming up, Mary Rose. And then you look at it, it's just a part of old timbers. Just a part of old timbers. But it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. The stuff that is under there that, uh, that is not. Oh, there's some lovely pictures of activists locking themselves together. But as I say, they look like the tree huggers. They're all out there. Come on, let's fight the police, fight the police. And so the, the battle escalated. You knew it was going to turn into a battle because there are people who go, oh, right, that's great. Uh, Brian says, for goodness sake, I've never lain in bed at 4.40 in the morning and got up to make a cheese and pickle sandwich, for goodness sake. That'll teach you. Toasted, even better. Toasted cheese and pickle, or toasted Thousand Island dressing. Just put it under the grill. Just turn that grill on, okay? And then, and then, you can taste it, can't you? You can taste it. You're going to go through the fridge and go, we haven't haven't got any cheese. Have you got any instant mashed potato? That's really good. Instant mashed potato with, if you've got some cheese, that's quite good. Or some little sausages. I know it takes forever, so I always keep some little cooked sausages in the in the fridge, just for those little emergencies. Or failing that, what's even nicer is a tin of beans, heated up, poured over some instant mashed potato with some grated cheese on top. Fancy that one? 
or, or, or anything at all. Or perhaps, perhaps just some peanut butter on toast. <gasps> peanut butter on toast. With Marmite. We tried that one. It's a nice one. Oh, it's too, too much, isn't it? Well, feeling that, a nice bowl of tomato soup would go quite well. Very good. Quarter to five. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Pickled onions are quite nice first thing in the morning. I keep them in the fridge. I could eat about six pickled onions quite easily. They're quite... They're quite cr- Some people don't like pickled onions. I quite like them. I like pickle lily. I like all that kind of stuff. And yet the only thing I can't eat is English mustard. Never liked English mustard. We always used to have it on the table for Sunday lunch. Because we did, as a family, used to sit down for, for Sunday lunch. Lunch. Poor old Mark, who's the Midland Chill driver. I've got no idea what that is. What's Midland Chill, for God's sake? Is that some peculiar sort of club you join? Midland Chill. I think it's some sort of frozen frozen food thing. I don't know, I've heard of Warburton's drivers and bread and all that kind of thing and um, some of these other ones that drive around filling up. We went through Chinatown yesterday on the way back from doing the interview with Alan Cumming and it was amazing, the stuff, all these vegetables and fruits that they've got. We saw some very odd-looking fruit, really odd-looking fruit, but I love Chinatown. I could live in a Chinese restaurant. I don't want to watch them cooking it because they've got some things in the in the window. Oh, right, that's what Midland... Oh, it's Midland chilled... Fo- I said it was that. Midland chilled foods, based in Basingstoke. God, poor souls, honestly, I've been to Basingstoke. See Basingstoke and die, I think they say. So Mark's driving around now, <laughs> thinking, I wish I could stop. It's like, well, you've got stuff in the back. Just go in there. Go and take something out. Mind you, can't cook it, can you? Wouldn't you love it if you could have a little... If they invented something you could cook while you're driving, like do, do grilled sausages or something. Could eat a grilled sausage now, actually, on, on reflection. It's got to be the right amount of meat, though. I'm funny about the amount of meat. I do check that. Do you check your sausages? Yeah. You have to. Because some of them have got very little meat in. Somebody the other day was on the television, and they'd never eaten... Um, what do they call raw steak? Is it Gravelax? When we just have raw steak, and you, you sort of cut it up. Is it Gravelax? I can't remember now. You can't remember either, can you? You don't eat posh. Because you're from up north, that's why. Your idea of posh is getting out of the bath to have a wee. So, uh, which most people don't do up north, do they, I'm afraid? Uh, Especially, they don't worry about hygiene in Leeds. A man up there called uh, Matloub Hussein was running a takeaway called Munchies. Unfortunately, he was serving up cockroaches as well. They were in the pizzas, they were in everything. They were in pans and chiller cabinets. They were climbing the walls of his outlet. His place was so filthy... They reckoned it had been filthy for years. So, quite clearly, they hadn't been... No, not dried salted beef. No, it's, what do they call raw steak? Just raw steak. I think it's Gravelax. I'm pretty certain it is. Carpaccio. No, that's foreign, isn't it? That's, that's that Italian stuff. But just raw steak, where they slice up raw steak very thinly. I don't mean Carpaccio. I think it's called... What, 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 put in Gravelax, <laughs> what that is... We're never going to find out this morning. So we're one of those. We're going to go round and round the houses, aren't we? So anyway, so this this man has just been fined seven hundred pounds and then twelve hundred pounds because I've always said to you, if you, if you go to any of these fast food places, have a look. If they look dirty, they're filthy. Okay, we all, steak tartare. That's it. Dumb, 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 dumb. There it is. See, I quite like steak tartare. It's finely chopped or minced raw beef or horse meat. You can have horse meat as well. <laughs> But it's lovely. Have you ever had raw meat? Oh, yeah. You look like you've eaten raw meat. And uh, they've never had it up north. 
They don't do it up north, apparently. Yeah. In fact, they probably don't even do takeaways where he comes from. They don't do that kind of thing at all. Whereas in London, that's why. Somebody said to me the other day, in fact, Alan Cummings said to me, he said, why are we all so fat? I said, well, listen, nobody's fatter than me. I said, I was told by a famous actress that I was fat. He said, who told you that? And I told him. He said, that was a bit rude, wasn't it? I said, well, no, she was just being, it was a bit of a laugh, really. Well, I mean, I went outside and cried. You know, because seriously, I mean, I seem, I don't see myself as fat. I see myself as slightly on the plump side. And I used to be able to, I, I could hold my stomach in at one point. And then I went out with a friend on Sunday, and at one point he said to me, hold your stomach in. He said, you're looking particularly fat today. I thought, well, here's a friend who's not on the Christmas card list anymore. And, um, and so and you get to that stage where you can't. And then I get people saying to me, oh, I can't put on any weight. And those are the people that I hate. The people who go, oh, I can eat and eat and eat. And I think, you know... I hope you just drop dead of an heart attack. I really do. I'm just, they just really do my head in. I hate it when these people can eat everything. Because I don't know what it is, you know, that some people can eat everything and not put on an ounce, and other people only have to look, Eamon Holmes, at, you know, at a cream cake, and immediately there's all this extra girth on the hips. It's very annoying. But I think we're all different. I think there are, there are those people who are meant to be thin all their life. My father never put on an ounce. My mother never put on an ounce. Me, ballooned. My brother never really put on an ounce. I'm the only one in the family. And I think it's because I live in London. And because I grew up on a diet of this rubbish fast food thing. Because it's all bad. Whatever you look at, it's bad for you now. What's the point? Of, I mean, how, how depressing, isn't it? Where you sort of go out there and you have to start sort of counting all the calories and worrying. About... I've got friends. In fact, we've actually got a boss. We've actually got a boss here who I said, would you like a bacon roll to him some time ago? And he looked at it and he said, Steve, he said, he talks like that. Steve, he said, the 600 calories in that. And I went, that's right, ruin everybody's day. And he started calorie counting, which I suppose is actually quite good because we're all prone to being a little bit, you know, overweight at times. Well, some people are in the office. You know, I was only saying to James Max the other day, you know, if you were thinner, you'd be more attractive. But I didn't say that. I was thinking that. I didn't say it because that would be, that's, it's, it's cruel. You're not supposed to pick on people because of their size. Whereas I pick on myself all the time because I don't really care about it. But I can't find any food that I really, really like which is slimming. There isn't anything that you can eat that you can go... I, re- I mean, yesterday, I got up to the canteen. I have a cup of coffee at about ten to eight, because we didn't have to go to the interview at the Soho Hotel with Alan coming till ten o'clock. So I go to the canteen with Toby Anstis, because he always has the same. He's a, a, a bowl of this muesli-type stuff, which looks like porridge with... with um, sort of blueberries and stuff like that in it, which is all sort of mixed up. It looks like ground-up sawdust, to be honest with you. He always has that, with some grapes on the top, and then he has two pieces of toast, one with peanut butter and one with jam. And he has that every day. So I go up there yesterday, so I think, I've got a craving for a sausage. And so I say to the girl behind the counter, who, who, who pronounces yoghurt, she goes, yoghurt, which is quite sweet, actually, from Poland. And uh, so, so she said, will you be having yoghurt today? I said, no, I said, I'm going to have three sausages. And Toby says to me, he says, three, they're like, you know, they're not even seven inches long, these things. They're about, you know, five, they're just a small sausage. He said three, no, I was, originally I was going to have four. Four sausages, he said to me. I felt quite guilty. I said, all right, three. <laughs> so I had three. With two pieces of bacon as well, which is quite nice. Brian says, you're not fat, you're just well built. Thank you. And Alan in Brentwood says, Gravelax's smoked salmon with dill. Steak tartare is raw. Thank you. Matthew and Stansted says cheese on toast with, with chopped pickled onions and marmite. Have you tried chopping a pickled onion? They're really difficult to get your, you get your hands round. You've got to watch that one. Can you just put raw onion on? 
You know, like when you go to the Indian restaurant, they serve you the poppadoms, and there's always got to be somebody who puts their hand in the middle and breaks them. And, and then they've got chopped onions, and they've got uh, reti and stuff like that. Uh, Janet says, I think you mean steak tartare. It's not my sort of thing, if I'm honest. I don't have it very often. I just, I just like it occasionally. It's quite nice. Thank you. Uh, Steve, you love pickled onions first thing in the morning, and you're single? Coincidence, says Kevin. Well, I'm only telling you I'm single. I'm not, I'm not telling anybody what goes on, you know, once I close the door. You know, just me and Teddy. <sighs> I think he's taking it to the Court of Human Rights, but there you go. Uh, 84850, uk. Brown bread, marmite, soft cheese, spring onions, red peppers and avocado. A sandwich you won't forget, says Johnny. Brown bread, marmite, soft cheese. Oh, I hate soft cheese. I used to hate that advert on the television. I like, I'll tell you what I liked, Primula. Primula, squeezy Primula in the tube. It's pathetic, isn't it? But they used to do this other one, which was advertised on the television. It was like a soft... Chi- I didn't like that at all, I'm afraid. So that's obviously what you mean by that. Spring onion, red pepper and avocado. I love avocado, but it's really fattening. It's really, really fattening. It's not uh, It's not the best thing for you. So I, I don't have it very uh, very, or, very often. I wish I did, actually. I wish I did. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. It's like all those fat jocks we had in uh, in town the other day. I mean, some of them were gargantuan. Never seen like it. I don't know, they made skirts that size, but apparently they do. And you can only get them up there. Uh, more of your texts and uh, email. I'll do the weather in a moment. Actually, no, I'll do the weather now, just in case. Because yesterday was actually not bad, but as I was walking through with Charlie on the way to the interview. I'm carrying the cable, she's carrying the heavy bit. It's, it's the way it works out. And um, and all of a sudden, the sun came down and she went, oh, lovely. And she went, oh, you don't like the sun, do you? So all the way back from the Soho Hotel, I'm going, oh, I hate this weather. I absolutely hate it. I'm trying to find the bit of shade. So yesterday, by the time I got home, it was actually a little bit better. But today you've got dry, light winds, sunny spells, uh, cloud will increase this afternoon. Generally pleasantly warm, they say. The Channel Coast may feel a little cooler later as an onshore breeze develops. Maximum temperature, 23 degrees centigrade. Currently 16 at 4.30, so half an hour ago it was 16 degrees. Tonight, slight chance of drizzle, generally cloudier. And uh, Wednesday to Friday, mostly dry throughout, with bright or sunny intervals, variable amounts of cloud becoming warmer. And they reckon by the bank holiday weekend, because for many of you, and I don't know if you work this out, if you take Friday off, you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's practically a week. Practically a week that you've got off. A friend of mine's doing it, she said, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. She said, because I've taken the Friday off, she said, so I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, and then back to work on Tuesday. I said, right. I said, well, I'm working bank holiday Monday. And in fact, on Monday, this programme will run all the way through till seven, which, you know, that's that's how we work it on the, the weekends. We don't have a morning news programme. We've got Sandy War coming up this morning with morning news, and that's at 6.30 till seven. Nick and the team with you at seven. I'll give you the rundown on what he's doing later. Uh, Jonathan Levi celebrated his birthday. A friend of mine yesterday sent me a message saying, you do know it's Jonathan Levi's birthday. I said, we did it on the programme. We always celebrate his birthday on the programme. He has to remind me every year because I've got a memory like a sieve, I'm afraid. But, but at least we got round to it. And we've got another birthday to celebrate for today. Oh, incidentally, back to the, back to the pizza and all the cockroaches. Uh, this man had eight hygiene offences. And they said it had been like it for years. So do the people not go around and check these fast food? Are they the first place I'd go and check? You remember we had to close down uh, a couple of years ago the Kentucky Fried Chicken here because of all the filth and the cockroaches all over the place. Then they had to close down TGI Fridays 
a, a while ago because that was also... And there was another place along there also closed down because of hygiene, because I've seen rats in daytime around here. Why? So much fast food, I'm afraid. Very bad for business. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Well done to Rob Orton. Rob Orton is a comedian. He gave up selling paintbrushes to go to the Edinburgh Festival. And he's come up with what they've said is the best joke of the Edinburgh Festival. I mean, make up your own mind whether you think this is funny or not. I heard a rumour that Cadbury are bringing out an oriental chocolate bar. Could be a Chinese whisper. It's a cracker. It's a cracker. It's the way I tell them. Uh, Alex Horn, I used to work in a shoe recycling shop. It was soul-destroying. God, I'm not uh, Alfie Moore, I'm in a same-sex marriage. The sex is always the same. It's a cracker. It's the way I tell them. Tim Vine, my my friend told me he was going to a fancy dress party as an Italian island. I said to him, don't be Sicily. Don't be Sicily. OK. OK. Gary... Uh, no, that's not a good one. Um, uh, Marcus Brigstock, you know you're fat when you hug a child and it gets lost. It's a cracker. Bobby Mayer, I was adopted at birth and I've never met my mum. That makes it very difficult to enjoy any lap dance. That's a little bit too near the knuckle, I think, with this time in the morning. And uh, he said, uh, this is from Chris Coltrane. He says, the good thing about lending somebody your time machine is that you basically get it back immediately. OK, that's good. Uh, another one here. Lee Ann Williams, the universe implodes. No matter. OK. Uh, and Gary Delaney, I can give you the cause of anaphylactic shock in a nutshell. OK, that's that's the... I wouldn't bother going to Edinburgh ever again. Biggest pile of rubbish you've ever heard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, who else have we got today? Who else we got? we got the One, One Direction boys, because during the press conference for this film, which apparently is ghastly, because it's it's just... It's, it's a bit like... It's sort of part documentary, part promotion, part, you know, oh, look, aren't we funny? Whoa, yeah, we're like pop stars. Woo, 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 woo. Kind of dancing around for the little girls in Leicester Square this morning, who probably every time somebody mentions... One Direction go, yeah, because they're directioners. Uh, Union J have gone solo on Twitter. They used to do it collectively, but they don't do it collectively now. Each one of them has gathered more than 15,000 fans in less than half an hour. George Shelley, who used uh, a Twitter cam Q&A to deny talk he was dating Jesse Nelson. Well, of course he's not. He's a stupid. Honestly, have you seen her? Good God. And, uh, and they all write, love you all, and this kind of stuff. It's quite sweet, actually. But I, I don't know whether it's better, because eventually there's going to be some who are going to get more Twitters than others, and then people are going to get jealous, and then, oh, and then it's going to turn into all sorts of all sorts of new things. They can't get people to go to this film about the Lone Ranger, can they, and Tonto? It's the biggest doggy-doos, I'm afraid, in the world. It just doesn't look very exciting. I mean, it really doesn't look very exciting at all. I looked at it thinking, I like Johnny Depp. Would I go and see it? No. I've seen the clips of it. I've pre-ordered... The Candelabra film, the Liberace one, that's out in October. I think October the 7th, so I pre-ordered that on, on Amazon. Noreen says it's a good job Brian's sound asleep. All the smash, instant mashed potato, the cheese, the mayo, the baked beans, it'll all be out. She says firing on all cylinders this morning. It's the only way to be, as you know. It's the only way to be. Um, another one here. This is from... Uh, somebody said, or Pears are apparently slimming. Remember your pear ice cream search? I love it when people remind me of things that I've done on the programme. When we went out the other day, we went out for tea, uh, as you know, because I was bid for 
for the Help for Heroes charity auction, and a lady called Anna bid, and she bought me a shirt. She bought me a Hawaiian shirt. Now, you know I love Hawaiian shirts. And she said, I bought you this, this Hawaiian shirt. She said, but I'm not sure whether or not you're winding us up over whether you like them. I said, oh, no, I seriously do like them. I've got the Tommy Bahamas range, practically. And when I go back to America, I should go and buy some more. But uh, she bought a very nice, very nice Hawaiian shirt. I love things like that. I really do. I'm, I'm really, you know, I just... And so because she said, I'm never sure whether I believe everything you're saying. I said, oh, no, I'm quite serious about things like that. Quite serious. Um... Yes, I am on till seven on Bank Holiday Monday, like usual. Belated happy 21st birthday to Rachel. Mum is an avid listener, says Noreen. Hope you get the Christmas lunches booked okay. They seem to be taking bookings already. You've got to book them now. If you don't book them now, you can't get the Christmas lunches in. I mentioned yesterday that we all go out, there'll be about 12 of us on Christmas Day for lunch. And so as opposed to cooking at home and everything, there's no, it's just ridiculous, 12 people. It's easier to go out to somewhere and say, let's go and enjoy somebody else doing the cooking. Which is, uh, <laughs> Joe says, my pet mouse Elv- Elvis died last night. Got caught in a trap. Thank you. Um, 84850. Baby George is having his nappy changed. The tube was a nightmare. Northern Line says Sue Ann in Stockwell. Marmite, cheese and beans on toast. Oh, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Marmite, cheese and then beans on the top of it. Because that would be quite good. Although a lot of people don't like, I'm afraid, um, Marmite. Oh, dear. Holly says, cheese on toast with marmalade and toast with Philadelphia and Marmite are both amazing. Sounds disgusting. Sounds disgusting, I'm afraid. <laughs> the Marmite thing could go well. Um, eight one here. Uh, all those fat jocks that we add in, uh, in Trafalgar Square. You, was it 10,000 cans they left? Ten, small wonder they were fat. God, blimey, these jocks, I tell you. Anyway, just wait until Teddy releases that video, Steve. It'll be all in the public domain, says Kevin the Milkman. <laughs> uh, John at Heathrow, he says, you're not fat, Steve, you're just big-boned. Uh, avocado's a good fat, Steve. I don't think it is. I really don't think... It depends what, what you like. Depends what you like. Toasted cheese and sweet corn, says Jason, the Warburton driver. Oh, I like that idea. I like that. Toasted cheese and sweet corn. I mentioned to a friend of mine, John, the other day, I said, you want to try this? Get a tin of sweet corn... Ho, 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 green giant. And that one, or any of the other ones, they, you know, they make loads of them. Drain off all the, the liquid inside it so it's cooked. Get a little, a little tin of button mushrooms cooked. Drain off the liquid. Put them in a bowl. Squeeze on some Hellman's real mayonnaise. Mix it all up. Delicious. And my friend John said, oh, it sounds disgusting. I said, I promise you, it's really, really nice. <laughs> it's really, really nice. So, uh, so there you go. Um... Steve, I did see The Lone Ranger last week. It's not bad. Depp makes the film. It's losing hand over fist. They've got it here in, in Leicester Square. I don't know which cinema they're using for the One Direction film. I don't know whether it's this big one here, in which case they'll have to move them all round to the side. When they're going to move them all, I've got no idea. Because they're all going to want to have the best position. And because they're all in the middle of Leicester Square at the moment, they've got little tents. and so- Some have got little tents and they've prepared for it. Others haven't prepared for it at all. And I'm afraid if you're going to... You know, spend overnight in uh, in Leicester Square. You need some sort of cover because it's going to be cold in the morning. When they get up, it's going to be cold. I might just stand in front of them eating a bacon sandwich and drinking a nice cup of hot coffee going... <sighs> Peter in Whitechapel says, I've just had a fried egg and two slices of toast and a mug of tea. See, that sounds good. One says, I went to the doctors with lower back pain. He said I was lumbered with it. Oh, God. 
Honestly, listen, please, go go to Edinburgh and take this material. I don't, I don't need stuff like that this time of the morning. I can manage, generally speaking, quite nicely by myself, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I once worked for a Chinese guy who had a wrought iron business. His name was Ray Ling. Oh, can they get worse? Small wonder that's in Liverpool. That's from Mark in Liverpool. Hope you stay there. Don't bring these jokes down here, please. We don't need that kind of stuff. Um, Tom says, if vegetarians eat veggies, what do humanitarians eat? Chocolate bars, I think. I don't, I'm only guessing on the chocolate bar thing. I could be totally wrong on that. Uh, other stories in the uh, in the papers for today. This official photographs on the LBC website. You can make up your own mind if you think it's a, if it's a good picture. They seem really happy together, so I'm quite happy for them. And uh, the baby's asleep. And uh, I don't know whether they've just sort of had the uh, dad taking the pictures, not not the baby's dad, but uh, Kate Middleton's dad, because they're trying to save on money. You think they'd want a real official picture? They, they they say that George is a right royal rascal. Ooh, lovely. There you go, right royal rascal, and the picture's taken by Grandad. So he'll probably own the copyright to them, which of course I've just thought about. He owns the copyright. My God, they love milking it, don't they? The Middleton family. There's a woman in the paper today who stole £62,000. It was left to her severely disabled brother by their late mother, has been jailed. Jane Martin, 51, plundered the bank account of Vaughan Martin and went on a spending spree. She moved him out of a care home and in with her and her partner, Stephen Collins, before the couple spent 15 months taking the funds. Prior to her mother, Violet, dying, Martin also stole £14,000. It's disgusting. How you can do that to your own brother? And thieving from your mother. I mean, that's the lowest of the low. But uh, anyway... It's quite despicable, and she was sent to prison for three years. Three and four years, both of them, which is very good. Uh, more on the gags, that's in all the uh, the papers today. Oh, nice picture of Princess Diana. They claim that her death appears in a letter. And incidentally, if you're in Clacton-on-Sea, uh, police there have said, do not give money to beggars. They're all fakes. They're bogus. They're bogus people. Clacton-on-Sea, which has just one person officially registered as homeless, has become flooded with fake tramps pleading for money whilst living on benefits in nearby houses. The charlatans have made life harder for genuinely homeless people. Charitable locals who want to help those living rough should donate directly to homeless groups. They've got pictures of They've all got dogs. They're thieves. They're crooks. So if you're in Clacton-on-Sea... I mean, there was one, of course. We had Simon West from Fulham, who's been handed an ASBO, and he goes out there touting. He's a pathetic waste of space. He was earning 50 grand a year on top of his benefits. He's living in a £300,000 council flat. Another one here that was earning 29000 a year on top of his government handouts. They just get all the handouts, and they're going to sit on the pay. Not any money. Get off your fat arse and get out there and get a job, for God's sake. Don't ever give money. If you go anywhere, do not give money to anybody sitting by the side of the road, you know, with, with a dog on their lap. They're generally people who, uh, who are exploiting the system. Uh, they're not on drugs or anything like that. They're just thieves. So don't give money to... I don't know why people bother giving money to them. You know, you don't want to give money. And especially in Clacton, where they're all fake. All fake. So when you go down there, why don't you just egg them? Just get some old rotten eggs and throw them at them. Make it marginally more entertaining for the rest of us. Quarter past five. Nick of the team at seven. Nick will be joining the thousands of anti-fracking protesters who are descending on Balkham to find out if their actions will really stop the dash for gas. I'd be more keen on finding out how many are just professional tree huggers and they just turn up because they're looking for a bit of, bit of trouble with the police. Plus, the students across the country wait for their GCSE results. Haven't we had that already? Haven't they done the GCSE results? Are they still doing them? 
Oh, it's A-level, was it? Crikey. Oh, it's constant, isn't it? We're all that, that lot in Leicester Square shortly. Nick will be asking, is Michael Gove right to shake up the exam system? Nicholas Owen is looking at the papers this morning, so it's nice to have him in, former Royal Correspondent at ITN. Somebody's saying, I hope Chris Fountain doesn't turn up on a reality show. Well, those who turn up, I must tell you that... Um, have you ever heard of Mark Morrison? Who's Mark Morrison? Why don't I heard? He's a singer. Oh, right. Has he been to prison for something? I can't remember. Anyway, I must tell you that a friend of mine, he's, I think, going to be in Celebrity Big Brother. I use the term celebrity very use- very loosely because I've never heard of him. And and the reason I know he's going to be in Celebrity Big Brother because a friend of mine got sent the contract for him to appear on Celebrity Big Brother, got sent to his mobile. He's been in prison. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. What does he look like? Do we know? I mean, to be honest with you, I can't, I can't place him at all. Oh, he looks like steak tatar, does he? But uh, anyway, so th- this, this friend of mine gets this text, and it's the contract for Mark Morrison to appear in Celebrity Big Brother. I don't know why my friend got it. He said, what should I do about that? I said, well, just, just keep it. Just keep it. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Just to sort of find out who they... Th- th- their idea on Channel 5 of a celebrity is, uh, is Mark Morrison, an English R&B singer... And he's been... To, what did he go to prison for? Was there some reason? He was born in Leicester. He was arrested for an assault. His medallion went missing. He was arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and car theft. He's been fined £1,300 after twice being caught without a licence. And that's a celebrity, is it? What a prat. What a complete ace prat. At the first door. Might be a good singer. Still a prat. I'm, I'm led to believe the craze could bang out a quick tune. When I say bang out, I mean, you know, bang, bang. As in, you know, you stop singing or we're going to kill you. So, he, anyway, whilst in prison, he reportedly converted to Islam and uh, attempted to change his name. Didn't actually help, really. He's been incarcerated uh, before. God, dear, what a pathetic person. What a pathetic... And that's apparently somebody who's, who's going into Celebrity Big Brother. God in heaven. Uh, 84850, Um A lot of people are saying that they're finding it more and more difficult to open tins. And older people are saying this, which have been out there. Now, I, weren't, I wasn't aware that, in fact, tins uh, are, um, are sort of difficult to open now because they've all got those things on the top. Gone are the days of putting on a, you know, a tin opener and turning the hand. You don't need to do that anymore now. People don't, don't open tins like that. And also, I've got an automatic tin opener. If I ever find a tin that I can't open, you put this thing on the top of it, you, you, you push the button, and they're only about 20 quid or something, and it takes the lid off by itself. It's not difficult. You can buy them all over the place. Uh, 84850. Uh, the Corrie bosses sacking Chris Fountain. And Paul says, I'm not condoning the rap lyrics, but he didn't hurt anybody, did he? You can't have that on the television. Don't be silly. Goodness sake, honestly. You absolutely can't have that on anywhere at all. A programme that's got young people watching. He's a young person. He's talking about the things he was talking about. He had to be sacked immediately. I'm surprised they left it that long. I think probably what they did, they called him in, they went, well, we've got to suspend you. And uh, then probably they'll be getting a lot of stick about it. You can't have that kind of thing on there. Absolutely not. And if in, in the case of the other people who are suspended from the soap at the moment, the outcome is not in their favour, they'll be fired as well. They'll be fired as well. You suspend people until you've got the, the hard evidence. And in the case of Chris Fountain, they got hard evidence. And, uh, and they went, no. Absolutely not keeping you. I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, somebody says here, uh, da, 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 which, which Spice Girl can drink the most petrol? Jerry can. 
Oh, dear. That's actually not too bad, actually. That's not too bad, Brian. Thank you. Um, if vegetarians love animals so much, why do they eat all their food? OK, that's, that's fairly good. Why did the scarecrow get an appraisal? He was outstanding in his field. Oh, dear. They get worse and worse, don't they? This is after we told you the, uh, the best joke from Edinburgh this year. A ladies' knitting club is in the papers today. I like la- ladies' knitting clubs because ladies like knitting. We used to have a boss years ago who, who knitted, a man who knitted. Very good he was too. But anyway, apparently they've been told they've got to give up their weekly meetings in a library because they're too noisy. Apparently up to 30 women attended the Knit and Natter group, the clue is in the title, in Northumberland. But the council officials say they take up too much room. Uh, since the library has moved to a new multifunction complex... There have been claims that the noise they make disturbs some other users. Oh, don't you just hate people who use libraries? Don't you just hate them? Why don't you just stay at home and read your book? These people have to go out there. I'm, I'm reading it. You're very noisy. It's a library. I want to concentrate on how, they, how these people cope with their lives. I've got no idea. Anyway, the group has outgrown the space that they had there. And so, consequently, they've been moved on. Shame, really, isn't it? Because I quite like the idea of, of knitting groups. I think, that's, I think that's quite a funny thing to have. Oh, cake prices could go up, but apparently the price of almonds is... Uh, who cares? Who cares? Uh, 84850, steve at uh, 70,000 fans all heading for one direction. It's going to be very busy in Leicester Square this evening, isn't it? I'm glad I'm not here. And a rock fan who was trapped hundreds of feet uh, up when a festival fairground ride halted in high winds said her ordeal was made worse by having to listen to Ollie Murs, which is a bit of a shame. This is uh, Georgia Sutherland, who wanted to see Blue Star, C6 Steve. Who? C6 Steve, at the V-Festival in Essex. Instead, she heard up to an hour of Ollie singing Pop Below. Georgia, who comes from the Isle of Dogs, says it was awful. Stupid woman. Stupid woman. The V-Festival insisted the sky swing only stopped for 12 minutes. Ollie's spokesman wouldn't comment. Perhaps she'll go out and buy one of the records. What a stupid woman. Fancy even naming herself as well. Georgia Sutherland, the thicko, who goes to... Uh, is that C- that's C6 Steve, is it? God, blimey. Kind of fits in very well with the Isle of Dogs, I should imagine. Dear God in heaven. Tattoos and an old beard. It looks like a, a relic, doesn't he, from, from about 500 years ago. But anyway, Georgia likes him. And... Uh, Obviously very pleased with him. But she had to listen to Ollie Murs for an hour. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Twelve minutes, they said, the ride was closed for. And besides, Ollie Murs is much better than Seasick Steve. Seasick Steve, can't remember what he's called now. Uh, more pictures of uh, Chris Fountain. Uh, too little, too late. Uh, with his mum, who runs his fan club. What a stupid person. As I say, you've you paid the price, it's your own fault. I couldn't really care less, actually. I recommended yesterday they fire you. They didn't have any choice... Um, he touched my girl's bum. This is Greg Wallace. As I say, I don't like him. He looks like a thug. And so I did what any man would do. Really? What, you go out just beating people up, do you? Stupid person. I think Greg Wallace should be fired immediately. Absolutely. I don't want to watch him on any programmes on the television. He comes across as a very nasty little piece of work. Don't like him at all. Al Murray is talking about, uh, Celebrity Chef. They say Greg Wallace is circling the celebs with the look of a man who thinks someone has tried it on with his black pudding and scallops. It was horrible work. I really don't like him. Can't we find somebody a little bit, little bit nicer on the programme? I don't want that kind of person. Uh, he talks here about... Uh, what else is he talking about? Ali Ross is away. Rumour has it he's not gone anywhere. He's just turned the TV in his flat off and decided to spend a couple of weeks opening his mail, not his wallet. So I got the phone call. Uh, he's talking about Benefits Britain. 
Actually, it's not a particularly interesting column at all, actually, from Al Murray, but they must be very difficult. People go, you're a comedian, but your column's not very funny. Victoria Beckham trying to make herself look mean and moody with sort of funny hair here. So it's, she's had so many extensions over the years, it's a bit difficult to tell what's her and what, not, what is not her. All she's doing is launching, a, I think, a, a new handbag or something, I don't know. But again, she can't smile. She thinks she looks sexy. I think the trouble is, when, when she smiles, you can suddenly see all the wrinkles. And unfortunately, when she starts ageing, and it will happen, it happens to everybody, you can't, can't halt it, no matter how many creams you shove on your face, you know, that's when people are going to go, oh, God, you look so old. I mean, the hair's bad anyway. She's never had great hair. She's a little bit like Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue's never had great hair. She's always had hair that she doesn't quite know what, what to do with. And so she's been to the head. She's tried everything under the sun, and none of it, none of it kind of works, I'm afraid. Uh, if you can remember the tune... Uh, Return of the Mac, then that's Mark Morrison. I remember him. I remember being handcuffed to him many years ago. Says Gary, because Gary <laughs> makes Gary sound as though he's well, no, Gary's a prison officer. So, ah, right. And this is apparently a celebrity now. Perhaps Channel Five are so desperate they'll even go for some old lags and bring them in there. God, it's pathetic, isn't it? Really. But uh, anyway, he's he's going into celebrity. Uh, Big Brother. Mark says he's the guy who sang Valerie with Amy Winehouse. He's a good singer. Yeah, but he's a he's a he's an old lag. He's been in prison. He's been in prison. You don't want somebody like that on the television. I don't want Greg Wallace, who hits people, because they sort of touch his girlfriend's bum. You know, whereas the, whereas the uh, strangely enough, the um, the cheeky girls kind of thrived on that song, didn't they? Touch my bum, don't be shy. But there again, you know, that was the best thing. Mark Morrison uh, was arrested for assaulting a photographer outside Stringfellows. Oh, right. And Keith says, I was the cop who arrested him. He went to jail from Bow Street. See, I went to Bow Street the other day. You know, it's opposite the Royal Opera House. Why is it still empty? Why have they not turned it into something? Like, sort of a tourist attraction. I'm sure people would pay to go round Bow Street to have a look at the court. I mean, some really famous trials that took part in Bow Street. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to go round and have a look round. But it's all kind of boarded up, isn't it, really? Which is, uh, uh, waiter, waiter, there's a needle in my soup. Sorry, sir, that's a typographical error. It should be a noodle. That's really almost too good for this programme, I'm afraid. It's 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I like the idea of uh, a man who went to the fortune teller. He said, I'd like my palm read. So she hit it with a spanner. We'll have to stop these immediately. This is getting too bad, I'm afraid. This is after they've named the best joke in Edinburgh. The Edinburgh Festival. It must be quite lame up there this year, I'm afraid. Uh, what do you call a Fiat full of water? A bath. OK, that's good. Um, C6 Steve is one of the biggest blues singers in the world. Mm, he thinks you need to find out, says Bruce in Edgware. Pfft, I think not. I th- I've seen a picture of him, thank you. He looks a bit scary to me. Uh Mark Ronson sang with Amy Winehouse, not Morrison. I don't think Mark Ronson sang, did he? Does he sing? I thought he was just a DJ. I thought he was a mixer or something like that. Uh, another one here. Uh, some of these jokes are so... Some of them are totally unrepeatable, actually. I can't believe you're even coming up with these jokes at 5.30 in the morning. It's terrible. Uh, more on the... Um, an ex-boyfriend, this time, of one of the UK drug mule suspects in Peru, has served time for coke dealing, Dwayne Mullion. 
got nine months in 2009 for his role in a Belfast plot which could have netted up to 112,000. He was going out with this girl who laughingly is apparently a model, an underwear model. She's not at all attractive. There's no chance that she's ever going to be a model. And uh, his ex is Michaela McCollum Connolly. I mean, there's more to meet. The, 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 you know, the more you read about this story, the more it suddenly gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, the Sun investigation is on the nail bars, the nail bar slaves, the girls who are dragged over here from Vietnam and various other places and forced into prostitution. They work doing nails, and then, as it, the Sun have said, it's an epidemic at the moment. Traffickers charge victims up to 23,000 for passage here. When they actually get here, they're put to work in the nail bars... They reckon there's 100,000 Vietnamese manicurists. Because it's funny, isn't it? Because most of the people who are doing... You know, when they go into a house and they set up these cannabis farms, they're Vietnamese there. They, generally speaking, Vietnamese people who, go, who are attending the, the plants because they know about this kind of thing. So what with, the, what with the girls being forced in the nail bars? They reckon there's nearly 1,200 girls trafficked in the UK in 2012. 90 salons were fined for employing illegals in the last five years. You see them done on the, the television. It's not just here, it's all over the world. You know, they just bring people in, put them to work, and, uh, and they exploit them. And then they have to work as prostitutes to try and work the money out, I suppose, at the pardon me, end of the day. Oh, good news. Good news. And I was going to bring you some good news this morning on the programme. Monty Panassar's been dumped by his club. Sussex have sacked him. Stupid man. Wife, wife applied for divorce and uh, got the divorce... And so now Sussex have sacked him. This is after he weed on a doorman after being kicked out of a Brighton nightclub. A sad, pathetic drunk, I'm afraid. That's uh, poor old Monty Panassar. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment you are, Mr Panassar. And uh, friends claim his behaviour was due to a secret split from his wife. She couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. Probably even more embarrassed by this. He was hassling a group of women inside the club, so he's, he's a, bit of a, bit of a bit of an oddball, shall we put it politely. And uh, then he went on to the promenade and urinated after he was thrown out of the club. So I'm glad they've sacked him. Perhaps he'll turn up on Channel 5 as well. Perhaps Chris Fountain will be booked for the celebrity thing. It seems people have got a bit of history. Although, why be remotely interested in Mark Morrison? I can't imagine. More on Melanie Sykes. So airbrushed. We were looking at a picture in the... When we were doing the extra podcast the other day. And it was of Louise Redknapp. God, she looks emaciated. She looks so bad in this picture. I was I almost felt embarrassed for her. She really did look absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Apparently, Ron says the Bow Street Police Station was the only one without a blue light outside because Queen Victoria asked for it to be removed. She found it ugly when she went to the Royal Opera House. Oh. It's just, it's, there's nothing, though. It's all empty. I'd have to go inside and have a look around. That'd be a place to go to. It must be loads of coppers listening at the moment and uh, civilian staff who work there. I don't know even why they closed it. That's the place with all the phone boxes outside, because after one particular trial, they realised, or during the, the trial, that they didn't have enough phone boxes for all the journalists. So there's a whole line of phone boxes outside, isn't there? Um, Rob says, don't worry, Steve, Mr Wallace will hit the wrong person one day and they'll flatten him. Now, leaving London, all deliveries done. There you go, look at that. See, 24 minutes to six and you're finished. Fantastic. If you're getting up today... Come on, get up slowly but surely. No point in rushing for you, is there? And here's a picture of... I don't know who that is. Oh, this is Trashy Courtney Stodden. She made headlines in America. Why are they... Can't they find anybody British? They have to pick up some bit of trash from America. And here she is. She made um, headlines and she wed Doug, Doug Hutchinson. She was 16. 
and, uh, and Doug, who appeared in the X-Files before she was born, was 51. Uh, bosses wanted to aliven up Big Brother. What? What, because she got married at 16? Well, why would that liven up Big Brother? People just go, aren't you a bit of a tramp? You know, and so they've said here she's trashy. They've said also that Sophie Anderton's going to go in. Oh, God. That'll be car crash television. Anything she does, she's too stupid for words. And um, Geordie Shaw Big Mouth, Charlotte Crosby, and Louis Spence. God, it sounds ghastly. And Mark Morrison. Vanessa Feltz is doing the dancing thing, isn't it? She'll just be sort of the fat, overblown one who can't dance for toffee. Because I shouldn't imagine she's got any rhythm at all. Well, not above the waist, anyway. 84850, uk. Who's this? Downton, so unrealistic. The Mill is much truer in story, says Kerry Hayes. I don't know who she is, actually. The Mill is starting tomorrow. And she says, Downton, so unrealistic. Why do you get actresses who say stupid things? It's not unrealistic at all. Well, you know, I mean, put it this way, the place that they're performing in is is real. It actually exists. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a set like yours, I'm afraid. David says, uh, I'm addicted to brake fluid, Steve. But don't worry, I can stop any time I want to. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. Uh, 84850. Jag, the hard-working postman, says it gets worse. Monty Panasar will now play for Essex until the end of the season. If, if he uh, tries any of his rubbish there, I'll deck him. I think so, too. Um, John at Heathrow says, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say my wife is fat, but she was baptised at SeaWorld. <laughs> Take my wife. Somebody, please. Um, 84850. And uh, there's one here. I know it's tempting to judge music based on the appearance of the art of the band, but trust me, in the case of C6 Steve, the judgment is unfounded. I'm sorry, I just, I just can't bear anybody who looks like that. It just looks like a throwback to the 70s. Looks like he's off his trolley, I'm afraid. Um, uh, <laughs> Steve in Potter's Bar says Sooty's been found murdered. Please think Harry Corbett's got a hand in it. Oh, dear me. These get worse and worse. Ridiculous. Um... Had to give up my job, says Dave, the cabbie in Southend. Had to give my job job up at the Tiddlywinks factory. It was counterproductive. Oh, dear me. These are getting worse. Definitely not getting better, I'm afraid. Definitely not getting better. Let me try and get some more upmarket jokes on the programme, because it's uh, Edinburgh Festival. Actually, a lot of people go up to Edinburgh to sort of make their, their fortune. I think, actually, who's up there? Piff, the magic dragon, is up there, uh, who appeared at my Christmas show. Uh, not my Christmas show. He appeared at my uh, Magic Circle show two shows back. Because we've got one coming up at Christmas time. You need to go to the Magic Circle website to uh, to find out. Uh, Steve, why don't the UK border agency keep raiding all these nail bars instead of driving around in trucks with signs directed at illegals? Um, two oranges went to a bar. One said to the other, you're round. Well, that's, they're really not good now. They're really getting bad. I think we've, we've now started. We've now started raiding the uh, the internet. Oh, Tesco are fined. I was quite pleased about this because this was a lady who instigated it called Daphne Smallman. She was a tenacious campaigner, determined to stand up for the ordinary shopper because Tesco were lying to you. You remember, of course, we had all the uh, all the stuff with. Oh, there was another firm on the television the other day who was selling at Asda. And they were selling pesto and stuff like that and saying it was all... And it turned out they were using ingredients from abroad. It was all rubbish stuff. So they, they've gone under, which I'm pleased about. But Tesco were fined. Um, they misled thousands of shoppers with a bogus half-price strawberry promotion. They admitted four offences linked to the sale of punnets of strawberries 
in 2003. But they're so big, they couldn't give a stuff about you. What, what do Tesco's care about some woman who's dead now, anyway? She actually complained uh, to the Sheldon branch, and the management just, pfft, you know, pfft, that's what they did to her. Anyway, she then complained to Trading Standards, uh, hoping that the retail Goliath would be forced to accept it was in the wrong. Sadly, Miss Smallman from Solihull was not in court to hear of the punishment for Tesco. She died of cancer in February, just one month after being diagnosed. Friends and family paid tribute to her. What they were doing is they used an original price of three ninety nine to justify the bargain claim. However, the fi- higher figure only applied for a very short period. Tesco's admitted the claims of big savings were misleading. In other words, they lied to you. And they were fined, quite a big fine, £300,000. £300,000. But in fact, apparently, they, uh, <laughs> the half-price promotion was instrumental in generating strawberry sales of some £52 million. £52 million on strawberries! Small wonder Tesco's just laugh at you. 300000 Oh, just pay it. Don't worry, we'll get them another way. Dreadful, really. Other people do it. I remember there was a store, wasn't there? Was it MFI? And they'd say, you know, all half-priced, you know, previously sold at... £78. And people go, where? And they go, in our shop in the Isle of Skye. And that's how it worked. They had to sell it for so long, so they would put it all in this Isle of Skye shop, which nobody ever went to, because the prices were so high, and then they could claim that, in fact, it was really... But, in fact, it isn't. It's like when you see on the television, on the jewellery channels, who rip you off, and they say, this is £3,700. They're lying to you. But they justify it by putting in the thing that says the price shown does not indicate a value or worth. It's randomly generated. So what have I been up there for? Because they're ripping you off. Because in your mind, psychologically, you see... I keep repeating this every day. I can't believe they're still flogging this crap on the television. You know, £699 or 3000 Then it comes down to 20 quid. You're buying rubbish. Steve, you can lead a horse to water, but a pencil must be led. That's getting better. That's getting better. We're, we're sort of we're gradually getting into the right, the right realms. So you can lead a horse to water, but a pencil must be led. Oh, Beyonce went out the other day. She went to, I think she went to Nando's. And she ordered from Nando's in Chelmsford 48 chickens. £1,400 she spent. But that's nothing to Beyonce. Because they, uh, 48 whole chickens, 12 veggie burgers, 24 coleslaws and 24 rice dishes, totalling 1,444. A source at Nando's confirmed it was a genuine order, but a spokesman for the chain, which specialises in spicy chicken, said, we never discuss the identity of our customers for reasons of privacy. Oh, grow up. It's only Nando's in Chelmsford, for God's sake. What do you think you are, the Ritz or something like that? It's Nando's, mate. You do cheap chicken. Bought a dog from my local blacksmith. As soon as I got the dog home, he made a bolt for the door. Sorry about that one. That's from Ali. What's pink and travels at 50 miles an hour underwater? Wait for it. It's a shrimp on a motorbike. I know, it's a a cracker again. (laughs) Why do Buddhists never hoover in corners? They have no attachments. Okay, that's, that's getting a little bit better. That's a little bit better. I feel a bit sorry for this. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman here who, who's, who owns a lovely cat, and uh, and the cat's called Norris. And the owners have had to write to their neighbours to apologise because Norris steals things. He steals brasiers. He he takes them from washing lines. <laughs> they say it's slightly embarrassing, but our cat Norris has taken to theft. 
At first, when it was the old dishcloth, it was amusing. But now we've got a growing pile of stolen goods. If you've misplaced anything, give us a nudge. We'll have a dig through the hoard and drop them back to you. <laughs> the cat's nicking. Probably to order, I should imagine. Go out, we will a size 32 double C bra. OK. And the cat goes out there. Oh, oh, I know which washing line that'll be on. <laughs> a tide of scandal, a feuding cast of the political correctness that could kill off Corrie. Because it's getting worse, isn't it? I mean, there's more people suspended in Corrie than actually working in the uh, little old Weatherfield. Christopher Stevens has done a big piece in the Daily Mail for today. Please, no more jokes. I don't think my uh, my heart can, can take it this morning. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. It's quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Very interesting. I was watching the television uh, the other week, and who was on there? Bill Clinton, who is aged beyond belief. He's a white-haired old man. And it turns out the other day, he was speaking at the 90th birthday party of Israel's president, Shimon Peres, for which he received the sum of half a million dollars, £320,000, which is then funnelled into the Bill, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton Foundation. Now, you know in America what a foundation is. It's a way of channelling all your money in there, so you hardly pay any tax, and you, you just give away a little bit of money. And they were, so they had Chelsea out there. She's obviously discovered this is the way, you know, let's tap into the rich people, put it into the foundation, and then we can go out there and sort of and be philanthropists and everything else. And so they were out there giving sort of poor little black children pens and things like that. And I just saw it as some shameless bit of you know, propaganda. So they have to do this interview with Bill Clinton, who looks as barking mad as I thought he ever was in the first place, but still can command half a million pounds in fees for talking. You find it unbelievable. But I do remember the Nancy Reagan Foundation, which was set up for the sole purpose of funding Nancy Reagan's lavish lifestyle. It funded offices, flowers, jets, cars, everything, until the papers picked up on it and made a big deal about, wait a minute, how much are you giving to charity here? And it turned out she'd hardly given anything away to charity at all. It was just funding her own lifestyle. Anyway, after a few little nudges in the right direction, Nancy Reagan decided to start making some donations. Whether she's still making them, I've got no idea, but I bet she's still got the foundation. Let's face it, if the Clintons have got one. It wasn't that the Rod Ronald Reagan inaugural library or something like that. They'll come up with any old wheeze so they don't have to pay very much tax. Paul in Manchester says, Sorry to hear of the demise of Chris Fountain's career, but like yourself... Not surprised at all. What is it about this particular generation of soap actors? They seem to think they've got some God-given right to be in the job and are above reproach. You only have to look at the Twitter fiasco a few weeks ago. The old actors, now few and far between, spent years working in rep and appreciated the chance they were given, and then the main didn't abuse it. You said, you know, you worked on the street and that was it. No pantos, no theatre work, no quiz, no reality shows. If they were lucky, the odd bingo club and supermarket opening. But a sackable offence if you went in character. Yes, because the company, like Granada, own the characters. It's as simple as that. Maybe the answer, he says, is to bring the hardline contracts back. That way they'll learn that not one of them is bigger than the programme. It was Chris Smith, by the way, who was actually the second Robert Sugden, who supposedly quit over the idea of making his character gay, but he's always denied that. He ended up suing Yorkshire TV for unfair dismissal and was replaced by your friend, Carl Davis. Actually, Carl Davis, who turned up in... Kingdom, which I loved. I, they didn't make enough of them, as far as I was concerned. That was with Stephen Fry, who played a Norfolk solicitor, I think. Oh, that was a great programme. I loved it. I loved Carl Davis. I thought he was absolutely... In fact, strangely enough, I was thinking about him the other day, thinking, I wonder what he's doing. I hope he's getting work. You know, because it's so easy when people leave soaps. 
that uh, that's when the work dries up, I'm afraid. But uh, in the case, the case of Carl Davis, I think he should be used all the time. All the time. They should put him into pantomime. He could probably do pantomime because he's got one of those, he looks young. He, he films young, so that's quite good. And he must be, I don't know, mid, mid-twenties now. Uh, Keith says, Bow Street Magistrate Court and the police station is going to be turned into a part museum, part hotel. Oh, imminently. Well, it'd be quite nice. Would you want to stay? Yeah. I hope they're going to keep the courts in there. I hope they're going to keep the courts. That, that would be quite nice, actually. Uh, Mark Morrison did sing with Amy Winehouse, but it was Rehab, not Valerie, just for the record. Thank you. I, d- I want to be the world of rehab, and I say, yeah, was that rehab? Look at me knowing a song like that, honestly, at my age. <sighs> it's unbelievable. I like it. Um, Jackie tells us that uh, Simon is on the move again to Salisbury. He's running out of socks, so maybe yours sooner or later. Mine are going to be car-booted. My socks are being car-booted. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. That's all I can tell you. It's very exciting. I, I, we shan't be telling them. Um... Uh, wait a minute. Can January March? No, but April May. Says Elaine. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Um, another one here. I've just uh, just seen a job vacancy for somebody to clean the outside of Big Ben. It pays two thousand pound a week, but the applicants will will be required to work around the clock. Thank you. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc um, Another one here. Oh, we've done the Buddhist one before. Well, we've got the same Buddhist one back in again. And um, another story in the paper today, which which tempted me, is the uh, the perils of opening impossible packaging. I can't do the tops of uh, bottles, like Listerine and stuff like that. It's got the childproof thing on. You're supposed to squeeze it in, turn, 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 and nine out of ten times it never works. So they've got here the Oral-B Vitality toothbrush, trying to get it out of the packaging. Well, you need a pair of scissors. You cut the packaging off it. That's the only way. Brillo, Mr. Muscle, 10 soap pads. They did a thing on the toes. I don't know why I'm thinking about this at the same time. But it was a man who the police raided because he was bringing in fake condoms. Fake condoms. And I'll tell you what it was. He was selling Durex. And he had a warehouse full of fakes. Absolute full of fakes. And when they went there, they said, look at this, this packaging is so perfect. The colour is right, it's got a sell-by date, it's got everything. But they've spent all the money on the packaging. They said, you open it up and you look at the condoms and the lubricant turned out to be hand wash. Hand wash. And they said, you know, this, and also, they, they break. So don't ever, and I'll tell you this now, because Wembley Market has got more fakes being sold up there than any other market. And I know this. Because a friend of mine has got a stall at Wembley Market, which is closing in October. And apparently, every week, without fail, trading standards go round there. And the people who've got the stalls are trying to cover up their, their theft goods as quickly as possible. Because there's fakes up there. In fact, this, this friend of mine, who's got a legitimate stall, says he's never been in a market with so many fakes. He said it is just unbelievable. So if you're ever going to go up there, don't ever buy things like that in markets. Razor blades are fakes. You know, somebody showed me a pair of glasses the other day. said, do you think they're real or fake? I said, well, it depends who's selling them to you. I said, the chances are they could be nicked. They could be genuine. But it's very difficult to tell fakes nowadays. They're so good. But if you're going to buy something like condoms at a, at a market, you know, there is a, a very good chance you're buying fakes. They fake washing powder. They fake booze. They fake cigarettes. There is nothing. They fake tablets and medicine. But Wembley, worst place for it. He said they had the trading standards up there the other week. He said people are hiding stuff on the stalls. 
At one market I went to, they were selling Dr. Dre headphones. £25. Well, they sell for 200 So quite clear, if somebody's selling them at 25 they're fakes. But if they're selling them at 25 what are they buying them at? What are they buying them at? So that's, that's the only reason I mention, because of all these uh, products that you can't get out. You have to try and... I've got a pair of scissors at home to cut round packaging. Some of the pl- things are absolutely terrible. Um, a woman seen knitting whilst driving was told to pull over, to which she replied, No, sir, pair of socks. Thank you. Old one's still going. Still getting the bad ones this morning. It's, it's not, not a lot we can do about it, I'm afraid. Um, and the average office worker, this could be you, suffers desk rage twice a day. Desk rage, I ask you. In other words, you go into the office and uh, somebody is sort of sitting on your desk or somebody has been on and they're using your computer or, you know, there's always something and you go there, you go, skip, this is my desk. I mean, there was an incident in the office a couple of weeks ago. I can't tell you who it was between. But somebody said, excuse me, that's my desk. And the other person went, well, I'm sitting at it now. And I thought, gosh, this is going to escalate. going to escalate. I thought perhaps we could film it and put it, put it up on YouTube. But you do get that, don't you? Because, because we have what, uh, what is known in this building as hot desking. So in other words, you know, when, when I'm not sitting at the desk, somebody else can use it. You know, they, they, I've got stuff in my drawers. And other people have got stuff in their drawers. But people, hot desk. A, but, you know, after a while, people just become very tolerant. And you just go, yeah, yeah, I'll be on a, I'm, I might go upstairs and there might be Nick Ferrari's producer using the computer on, on the desk where I sit. And he goes, I won't be a minute. I said, no, there's no problem. You know, I'm that, I'm a, it, well, secretly, I'm trying to drag him off the desk, you know, by his feet. But, no, I'm, it doesn't bother me. I just go, no, that's OK, honestly, I'll wait. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it, I, I don't get angry about stuff like that. There's no point, is there? Absolutely no point at all. But apparently that's what most people do. You get niggly. 42% of workers are most het up and impatient on a Monday. Not this Monday, of course, which was yesterday. But, uh, but the good news is, of course, it's bank holiday weekend. We will, by Friday, uh, be telling you exactly what's happening for In Conversation over the weekend. And on Monday, we get an extra half an hour on the programme because it's the bank holiday Monday. So if you take Friday off, you've got four days, which is practically a week. Find something to do. There are loads of things to do. Do a do a bus ride. I said the best thing to do, if you really want to do something nice, and I know a number of listeners have done this because I've, uh, I've, I've seen them there, they've seen me as well, is to take one of the Routemaster buses from Charing Cross to go all the way to Tower Hill have a look over the road. Don't go to the Tower of London, because, you know, unless you're a member of Historic Royal Palaces, because it's quite expensive. Oh, I'll tell you what we saw the other day. Queues. Queues of people for Madame Tussauds. The queue was going up to Regent's Park. And I felt like saying, you're going to be there for three hours. If you want to beat the queue at Madame Tussauds, buy your tickets online. Once you've bought the tickets online, you can walk straight in. It's a lot quicker than standing there in a queue. It's hours. And that's, you know, outside on the pavement. You could be two hours there. Then you get inside. It's another hour inside once you go up the stairs. It's very tedious. Buy your tickets in advance. I'll tell you more about the Tower of London and where you can go to later. But you don't want to miss the execution site, which a lot of people miss at the Tower of London. Not, Not just the one inside, which was reserved for royalty, but the one outside. There's just a plaque, but you miss it completely. That uh, you won't, because I'll be telling you exactly where it is. That's after the news at six, which is next on LBC. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Five minutes past six. First man, are you going on holiday this year? Second man, yes, me and the wife are going to the West Indies. First man, Jamaica. Second man, no. 
She wanted to go. Oh, dear, they... Please save me from these dreadful jokes this morning, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> another one here. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Heard the joke about the bin. No, it's rubbish. London Overground, no service. Gospel Oak to Stratford. Signal failure at Highbury and Islington. And apparently somebody's just delivered a cake for us. We're very excited this morning, so we're going to find out what that is in a moment. Front pages of the papers. It's, it's the pictures. It's the pictures you want to see. That's the pictures of Kate and William with baby George, the first official portrait taken by her father. Perhaps they didn't have any money. Perhaps they've run out of money. Perhaps there's no more credit on the credit card. Have you noticed his voice has dropped? He's gone quite deep all of a sudden. That's Prince William. Very, very deep. But anyway, this uh, break with royal tradition uh, was taken by Michael at the Middleton family home in Berkshire uh, with the dog. And uh, it's a picture of, uh, of the happy couple with a baby. I don't get too excited about baby pictures, I have to be honest with you. It kind of leaves me a little bit, uh, a little bit sort of cold. It doesn't, just doesn't do anything for me at all. Just a picture of a, of a happy couple together uh, with, with holding a baby, which is great. Thank goodness they had sunshine, eh? If they'd had dreadful weather, be good. Uh, another one here. Uh, it's the, uh, the, the story on the front page of a lot of the papers is the Coronation Street star acts for this rap that he made about rape. Uh, this is Chris Fountain. The Sun exposed his foul-mouthed online raps about rape. He's 25 with a mental age, or I would think about seven. He's far too stupid for his own good. And, uh, you know, his, uh, the producer there, Stuart Blackburn, said he's gutted, but understands his behaviour was unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. It doesn't matter who it is. It would be anybody. If you're in a position where the public look up to you and he's, he's some sort of role model, or what role model, I can't imagine. But to be honest with you, uh, I said yesterday he has to go. And, uh, and so go he does. But I bet you anything, you know, people would be going, oh, would you like to appear on this programme now and that programme? And all you'll listen to is the pathetic ramblings of a, of a failed actor, somebody who quite clearly doesn't appreciate exactly how good things were. You know, how much money he can make, how much... the Because once you leave a soap, that's it. It's very cold out there. Very cold out there. And uh, when, you're, when you're in a soap, you're protected. You've got the, all the people around you. You've got the people who sort of look after you. And they make sure you get press calls and that kind of stuff. He'll have none of that now. Absolutely nothing. He'll be shunned by everybody. Nobody will be employing him on a programme. How can you? Dropped by Coronation Street, biggest soap in the country. It's either that or EastEnders. But they're having a bit of a disaster there, aren't they? At the moment, they can't seem to keep their actors, and they can't. They they just. I mean, I don't know why. As Paul in Manchester had said, they they're sort of so above themselves that they they think they can probably. Perhaps he thought he was going to weather this one. Perhaps he thought people would treat it as a joke after he apologised. But of course, they didn't. They didn't do that at all, and that's that's why I'm afraid they have to get rid of him. Uh, tins of sardines, corned beef, and the ring pull on soy sauce. Im. Possible to open, says Noreen. I read once that a massive percentage of people end up in casualty after opening corned beef. I have. We're missing lovely Neil. I bet the Costa del Sol is loving him. Oh, I bet he's spending a fortune. A fortune. Are we going to get the cake? Are we going to have the cake? Are you going to see what it is? Oh, you get it. You're going to get, you get it. Well, you might not be able to carry it. It might be too big. It might be so big. You might not be able to manage it. Yeah, go get it. Just in case it's really exciting. We haven't had a cake delivered for ages. What are we celebrating, I wonder? We're not, we're not celebrating anything in particular. Are we celebrating the fact that we're going into winter or something? I don't know. We'll find out very, very shortly. 84850, uh, I'm not saying my wife is fat. We've got a lot of these my wife is fat jokes. But no matter where I sit in the living room, I'm next to her. Uh, 
<laughs> she asked me to trim her body hair last week. Reluctantly, I did. And we've ruined a perfectly good fly-mo. <sighs> God. The worst ones, and I can't repeat the last one because it's far too rude, I'm afraid. Far too rude. Uh, Brian says... I bought the odd two-pint plastic bottle of milk from the local Tesco's, and I've had them with impossibly screwed-down plastic lids. you think they've been superglued. I've had those as well. They're very tricky. Sometimes you try and turn it, and then I've done the other thing. You know where they've got the little plastic thing over the top of the bottle, and you pull the little bit, the little bit you grab onto? And sometimes it just comes off in your hand, and the lid is still on there, and I get so frustrated. So you have to stick something through the metal lid and prise it off that way. The trials and tribulations, I tell you. Being in the kitchen, you've got to have a, sort of a, a degree in SASism, which is good. Is, Char- is, is Clive off today? Is it- oh, right. Well, because he's supposed to be driving a, a guest for me. I only asked that. Sorry, it's a private conversation. He's supposed to be driving my, my interview with Ruth Rendell. So this will be very interesting. Pa- perhaps, he's, perhaps he's coming in just for me, which is lovely. I like things like that. Also, the front page of the paper today, it's uh, One Direction. Wait for the screaming to slow down. Yeah. The directioners, they're all out in Leicester Square. I think they'll be ponging a bit by tonight, won't they? They're all out there and getting very excited about seeing their heroes, who'll be at the moment, even as, even as we speak, squeezing their spots and applying the makeup, just so that they look particularly attractive for all the girlies tonight. Yeah, we love you. Don't really. Love you. Really love you. We don't. Because I watched them doing their interviews the other day, and to be honest with you, they're so lackadaisical. They're sort of behaving like, you know, they write all these songs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pop star, yeah, I'm doing this. And you think... You haven't been in the business five seconds. You know, when you've been in it as long as the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, then you're entitled to behave like, you know, this. But, you know, just behaving like that normally is a little bit, uh, a little bit naff. I will say, it comes in a box. Oh, stop over-exaggerating. Is it nice? It's quite heavy, is it? All right. Oh, it's, blimey, it is quite heavy, actually. That's very heavy, isn't it? Have you opened it? Oh, look. Blue icing. What does it say? To the one and only Steve Allen. Oh, they'll like that upstairs. They're light. It is very heavy, isn't it? Is it fruit? Sorry, we're very messy in the studio this morning. Yes, you better take it. I'm not going to be able to carry that outside, am I? <laughs> I love how he sort of leaves it here. It's lovely, isn't it? Don't cut it, all right? Otherwise you'll be in dead trouble. And it comes with it with an envelope as well. Uh, also the mirror. Oh, because they've got uh, One Direction's uh, Nile dates Ellie Goulding. Oh, this is from Fish Central again. Oh, yes, we've had this before. Thank you very much indeed. So you've, you've got uh, a lovely cake here. Thank you, Fish Central, very much. Very much appreciate the Look at them. They're, little, they're salivating next door. They're all salivating. They're getting very excited about the whole thing. But uh, they'll have to wait. They'll have to wait. Thank you very much indeed. Actually, it's not the first one we've had. We've had quite a, quite a few. So Niall is dating Ellie Goulding. I don't think he is. I think they just put that out there. Because that's not what the, what the fans will want to hear. Is it the fans sitting in Leicester Square? They don't want to think that any of the boys are going out with girls. It's only for, only for them. Only for them. Uh, Wills and Kate's first photo shoot in the front of the Express today. Our Prince George is a right royal rascal. He's asleep. Looks like any baby. Like, gone completely. Uh, the soldier at the centre of the allegations that the SAS killed Princess Diana and Dodie fired is a trustworthy witness. Witness Who says that? Mohammed El fired. So <laughs> you kind of take it with a, a very, very large pinch of salt. I think David Cameron... Has got a bad back, and as anybody who's had a bad back will know, it's absolutely agonising. Agonising. It's got a terribly bad back. It's a protruding disc. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I've never heard of a protruding disc, but it sounds awful. Uh, the Independent have done an hour with One Direction, an exhausting interview with Pop's Golden Boys. 
You always think, though, don't you, that a film is like the kiss of death. You know, the fans love it, but everybody sees that as their last attempt to, to milk it. And there was another story in The Independent as well, which I, I think I saved earlier on. And it was about a couple. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's a couple. It's, uh, they look like any other couple. Well, they don't really, because when you look at them close, you can see that one of them is, uh, is a girl and one is a boy. Except the girl was a boy and the boy was a girl. And they now live together. And so this is Jamie Eagle and uh, Louise Davis. In fact, they've been on so many programmes at the moment, they can't stop talking about themselves. But the trouble is, the one who was the girl who looks like the boy looks like just a fairly butch woman who's grown a beard, which is hormones. And the other one, I suppose, could pass for a woman. But they now plan to marry even though they haven't finished their respective operations. It's a rather bizarre relationship. But as I say, they, they, these uh, people, these, these transgenders, um, because um, they aren't gay, they're transgender. It's, it's, it's sort of somewhere in the middle. It gets, it gets a bit confusing, as you can well imagine. But they go on lots of programmes. It happened on Big Brother, where they had a woman on there who, who wanted to be considered as a man. But in fact, I could see straight away it was a man. And, and they can't keep it quiet. They have to tell people about it because they're so pleased. But a lot of people who go through these uh, operations end up with terrible emotional problems. It becomes quite, quite traumatic. We've had lots of cases of people who just can't cope with it. And in fact, since they've come out and appeared on television programmes, they've had heaps of abuse. Because people think they're out of the ordinary. They're not. They're probably all over the place. I've seen some incredible sex changes over the years. I've interviewed a few where you would look at somebody and think, well, I mean, I just can't see this at all. I just don't see you as another person. But uh, they did. In fact, there was a very famous Bond girl, wasn't there? There was a, a girl called Tula. And Tula was a page three girl and a Bond girl. But in fact, she'd been born a boy. And I think she did double modelling with her sister. But she ended up... She was the one who was towed behind the Loch Ness Monster. That was Tula. And became very famous. You can just check her out. Just type in Tula on Google, I think, and you'll get pictures. And she's a, she's a very famous sex change. April Ashley was the very first one in this country who became to prominence. And then we've had journalists and things like that who've had these operations. But they're talking about it in The Independent today. We'll go through the other papers in a moment. Quick time check in case you're uh, watching. It's uh, quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. It's the heaviest cake you've ever seen. You could do weightlifting with this thing. It's brilliant. Uh, Charlie, we're having a check on that. I've sent Clive a little little text message saying, are you coming into it? People think you might be doing training today. Sorry, right, I'm, just, I'm just sorting out my Ruth Rendell interview, if you don't mind. Uh, now, Tracy sent me a, an email and says, I thought I'd write in good time to warn you, to warn me, that it's my dad, Bryn Williams's birthday today. Yes, it's the 20th. It's Bryn's birthday. Bryn Williams is... You hate me for saying this. He's 80 today. He's 80. He's a toastmaster. He knows more celebrities than you can shake a stick at. She said it's a major landmark, and he's had a pretty grotty year, one way and uh, another. Oh, yes, that's all right, Char... Sorry, Charlie, I'm just back to you momentarily. Yes, he's coming in to do the pre-wreck. <laughs> sorry, we just have to sort these things out. Anyway, going back to Bryn Williams' birthday... She says, we would like to wish him a huge happy birthday from all of us. Tim, Chloe, uh, Josie from Chile and Cameron, the grandchildren, Tracy and Paul, and especially my mum, Anne, who is rather long-suffering at the moment. Life in France is tricky and bureaucratic, but the weather is fab and they're enjoying the lovely summer. Anyway, if you could say something to him on this day, we'd be very grateful. Of course, Tracy, as you know, Bryn and Annie and I go back. 
A long way. Many, many happy returns, Bryn. I hope you have a, a lovely, relaxing day. Uh, I'm sure you will. You're probably up already, sitting there. The sunshine is probably up. It's got, we've, we've got heat wave here. We're going to be suffering with heat wave for the rest of this week. But I hope you have a fantastic 80th birthday. I know, I know all your friends at the Water Rats will be sending you lots of uh, messages. And the Lady Rattlings as well. They'll be sending you emails. And uh, hopefully you've got cards. And you could have a piece of my cake, actually, if we thought about it. <laughs> we've, got, we've got enough cake here to feed the 5,000. But I hope you have a, a blessed day. And I hope that you and uh, Anne have many, many, many more years together. Because uh, they work well together. They work well together. So happy, happy birthday from, from everybody. There you go. Sandy Ward's going to be here at 6.30. She's here every day this week, actually. Uh, it's nice to see her again. And uh, then Nick and the team will be with you after 7 o'clock this morning, looking at the thousands of anti-fracking protesters who are descending on Balkan to find out if the action will really stop the dash for cash. And then it's the GCSE results. Nick will be asking, is Michael Gove right to shake up the exam system? Nicholas Owen, the broadcaster and presenter, will be live in the studio to look through the papers with Nick. And it, it, is, it is a lot. The, strangely, the, the Independent have done a piece on the return of Clause 28. Do you remember this Clause 28, which forbade the promotion of homosexuality? Weren't allowed to talk about it. And there are a number of schools and, and uh, academies across the country who are flouting the law. They claim to be Christian. What they're promoting is homophobia. They're saying you're not allowed to talk about it, they don't want to talk about it. And uh, this was outlawed by Tony Blair's government, so it'll be very interesting. They've done a big feature in The Independent, and a few other papers have picked up as well. Plus, uh, they're talking about the Hillsborough Police who tried to raid the £12 million victims fund. That doesn't make pleasant reading. Uh, the Times this morning, the woman behind the M&S campaign. This is where they put together a bunch of people, who some of which might shop at M&S and some of whom don't shop at M&S, uh, because they think that you're going to be remotely interested in whether Helen Mirren gets her clothes there. And the answer is most of you, according to yesterday's programme anyway, aren't. You're not swayed by a celebrity it's because you know they're doing it for money. They're doing it for the, for the filthy lucre because that's what they do for a living. And so all you want to see is just nice clothes, nice quality clothes. That's all it comes down to. What you want, if you shop at Marks & Spencer's or any other shop, you, I'm not interested in some silly campaign that features Tracy M and the foul mouth. Who's interested? You're interested in seeing somebody glamorous, and you can never call Tracy M in glamorous. You want to see somebody glamorous... Uh, wearing the clothes that look nice and you go in and feel them and they feel the right quality and it's at the right price. It's all you care about. I couldn't care less that they've wasted so much money on all these celebrities, so-called celebrities, some of whom aren't celebrities, but they think that's going to get you to go shop at Marks and Spencer's. Unfortunately, I think it is not. Uh, Barbara Cartland, we must have started something big on this one. Her son is now on a mission to spread her words to the world. Um, Barbara Cartland and I went back many, many years. I haven't found the books yet, but I know they're around somewhere. I will find them. Uh, more on the uh, the MP and her son arrested for the fracking protest. She's the only green MP, and she was down there jumping on a bandwagon. I don't really know what they what these people do down there, but you do get the feeling that some of these people they're not remotely interested in fracking or anything else. They're interested in a bit of a, a bit of a ruckus with the police because they're quite clearly anti-police, and there's people going, oh, "I can't believe they're so heavy-handed." Well, I'm sorry, they're trying to stop people, you know, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So if that's the police being heavy-handed, well then, kind of tough, I'm afraid. Kind of tough. It was, it was interesting seeing some OK Yahoo Ray Henrys. Oh, they say, OK, but quite clearly some people were revelling in the idea that the police cameras uh, were on them and the, uh, the cameras for the television. So perhaps all done for 
the wrong reason. But Nick will be following that one a little bit later on this morning. Uh, I wonder if it's, what if it's toast this morning for Bryn and Annie. Marmite on toast. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Uh, one here. Um, tan, 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 because they... Uh, oh, that's right. Sorry. I've, I've done it wrong. Why are pirates called pirates? Because they are, 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 are. Is that how it goes? Because they are, yes. I think that's how it was, Alan. Thank you. It's the best I can manage this morning, I'm afraid. Uh, Arthur said, when you leave the studio today, will you shout to the One Direction fans that their idols have girlfriends? Oh, I'd be lynched outside, I should imagine. They've all got girlfriends. They're not interested in you. (laughs) Some of them look very young out there. They do look terribly young. And as I say, they're going to be sitting there all day. Poor little souls. It's it's not going to be their best day. Er... Glenn says, David Cameron's protruding disc, painful, I'm sure, but the remake of The Hunchback of Notre Dame awaits, without, of course, the hours spent in makeup. The bells, the bells. I love that. Who was the man who made that in this country? I can't remember who did The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I can picture the man's face, but I can't remember the life of me. Um, what it is. Uh, when Nick Abbott mentions One Dimension and Steve Allen talks about One Direction, is it the same band? Yes, I think so. I think that Nick and I are singing from the... Uh, from the same song sheet. Um, the cake just got delivered to the LBC studio for the one and only Steve Allen show. Thank you. Oh, it says... Oh, this, is that you saying that? Oh, right. What, you're tweeting about the, about the cake being delivered? It's a bit sad, isn't it, really? But anyway, it's huge. He's going to have to listen to it upstairs. Um, another one here. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, just to let you know my baby says Stuart Miller, was born at 8.15 last Thursday at Whips Cross Hospital. £8, 6 ounces, same as the royal baby. Uh, I never heard if you read out my text as the midwife kept coming in. I had to turn you down. Disgraceful. Ignore midwives. Just say, excuse me, I'm listening to Steve Allen on the radio. I saw Mr Shah the other day. He's going to be closed on Bank Holiday Monday. So Goods the Chemist will be closed on the bank holiday. Actually, a lot of people close. I bet, I bet, uh, I don't know, Stuart will be open at Sandy's. I don't know, and the guy's in there. I had some bacon from there the other day. I had it with, um... I just, I just sort of cut it up and put it in the halogen oven. Quite delicious, actually, just with some mayonnaise on it. <laughs> it was really nice. Really nice. 84850, uk. Um, that's just about it for this morning. I've suddenly realised, actually, we kind of sort of run out of time. Now we've sorted out who's actually coming into to the Ruth Rendell. I'm quite looking forward to talking to Ruth Rendell. Because I know her books sell in volumes, and of course she's uh, she's Inspector Wexford, and I think she writes under a pseudonym as well. I think she's got a pseudonym. So there's quite a lot to talk about. Quite looking forward to that. That'll be at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. And then I think tomorrow we've got uh, Killian Murphy. And then I think we've got... Who have we got on Thursday? It's quite a busy week this week, actually, which is, uh, which is all good news. Because we like it when we have a, a busy week. Yesterday was Alan Cumming, so we toddled off. Uh, tonight... You'll have to avoid Leicester Square. You'll be seeing it on the news. We, of course, get the best position because we can look out of the windows down at all the One Direction fans and, you know, start playing Union J music instead. Yeah, yeah. just to watch them all getting a little bit upset. But they'll all be there. The the noise in the square tonight will be very, very interesting. And I don't know what they're actually putting up outside. I mean, I thought they were there for me, to be honest with you, this morning. I walk in, I thought, yeah, it must be there for me. I suddenly realised that at 12 and 13, I don't think there's very much chance they're going to be listening to me this morning. But uh, they, they appear to have been up for most of the night. There seemed to be sort of activity down there. So they're going to be very tired little bunnies a little bit later on. So we wish them well tonight. I'm sure it'll happen. Bryn Williams will celebrate his birthday in style today and will enjoy every minute of it. 
And there's much love from all the family and all your all your friends as well, your many friends. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at four. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time. Lots of celebrities in the spotlight today. And then the rest of the podcast you can download a little bit later on. If you go to the LBC website, there's all the details on there, lbc.co.uk. I'll tell you tomorrow how Ruth Rendell went today. And uh, what else? We've got oh, water the hanging baskets. It's my bane of my life at the moment. It's beginning. Honestly, I think I've hit middle age. Very worrying, isn't it? Nick and the team at seven. Next, the morning news with Sandy War.